Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome back to the MTO Podcast. Today we're going to talk about everything college basketball. You guys get your brackets ready. We're going to show you uh, the winning bracket. We're going to break that down for you. Um, and we have a, a, a special here today. We have our first guest, my man Taylor Dammel here today. I don't even know if he knew he was our first guest, but he knows now. So we got him on here because he's a college basketball enthusiast. Um, he has his own podcast. And actually, Taylor, why don't you take it away from there? Tell me about your podcast, how long you've been doing it, and uh, how, how that's going for you. I mean, this is a lot of pressure now. You guys are going to look back on this moment for hopefully like a decade worth of podcasts and be like, remember when Taylor was our first guest? That's that's huge. So I, I better come with it prepared here. So, um, But yeah, I do a... Uh, I have a, a college basketball podcast with a couple good buddies. Um, I, I I'll say I'm the co-host. I'm not the I'm not the point guard of this podcast. I'll I'll I'll, I'll say I'm the uh, co-host here. But it's called Theater and College Hoops. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Dammel um, to find out, as we say, where the feet is. And what we like to say is if there's a good game going on, say, in Kentucky, then we say, oh, there's theater in Lexington going on right now. Entertainment to watch. That. Yeah. So thanks for having me on, guys. I, I am actually quite thrilled to be your first guest. And the timing couldn't be better, considering it's one of my favorite days of the year. And that's Selection Sunday heading into the best time of the year, March Madness. Absolutely. Just, just know that if... Uh... This is a shitty episode. We'll probably never have a guest on again, so that's on you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, no, I don't blame you at all. Okay, okay, absolutely. Just want to make sure you know that. So, like you mentioned, it's Selection Sunday, so we're going to have a show basically all things college basketball. Um, when the bracket came out, were there any surprises, anything that you... We'll start with you, Nick. Anything that you saw that maybe didn't sit right with you, or did you think, just take it as it is? I took it as it is. I was fine with the teams that they let in and left out. I know a lot of people were on Louisville to get in, and that was the team that I saw most people glamoring for making the tournament, but I didn't have a problem with the teams that made it. I was fine. I was surprised, honestly, Duke didn't find its way in somehow, some way, but they they weren't a good team. They didn't need to be in this tournament. It was only going to be for everybody who hates Duke satisfaction to watch them get in the tournament and get killed by probably some sorry team that they should never lose to with you know with them having duke on their jersey but they didn't make it so i don't think we have to worry about that this year what about you taylor any uh any big misses for you no i i was pretty happy with it as well and um you know really the big key was what happened on saturday night with georgetown and oregon state both stealing bids uh, I think that put a lot of the bubble uh, issues to rest. Uh, like Nick said, yeah, some people wanted Louisville in. Uh, and I guess it's a classic case of, and Jamal, I'm sure you'll get to this because I believe you did want uh, Louisville in. It's a classic case. Sure. Yeah, it's a classic case of, okay, so if you want them hit in, who are you taking out then? And that's always, always the case here. You know, for me, not to uh, jump the gun on who you might say shouldn't be in here in terms of, uh, uh, you know, some of the at-large bids. I'm a big Utah State fan. I'm a big Drake fan, both Aubrey Graham and the basketball school. Um, 
And so I actually think that I have a team like Drake actually winning a game in this tournament. And I'm sure if I'm guessing correctly, uh, that might be a team that you would be referencing shouldn't be in this tournament as an at-large bid. Yeah, I don't have a huge issue with with Drake. Um, to be honest, I know there was a player. I was watching them against Loyola Chicago, and they had a player out. I think he had broke his foot. I'm not sure if he is back. If Roman back, Roman I'd... Penn, yeah, Roman Penn, their starting point guard is out for the season, but their best player, Shanquan Hemphill, is actually coming back for the tournament. So Hemphill be... is who I was alluding to. Yeah, could I didn't be even huge. know Penn was out. So that makes me want them out because if Penn's out, then I don't. You you got to factor in injuries. Um, I think their resume says they should be in, but I, I, that's Michigan State to me is the one that I think they got in because of who they are. I think people like to see Izzo scowl at people. Other than that, I don't see really anything in their resume that makes me think that they should be here, specifically over Louisville. Uh, so that's answering your question. That's who I probably would have took out would have been Michigan State. Uh, I think Drake has a good enough record and they have a good enough resume to where it's I'll let them in, you know. I mean, Scary Hours 2 just came out, so, I mean, we got to have a little Drake in there. So, I have no problem with that. My biggest thing was I'd have picked Louisville for Michigan State. I think Michigan State doesn't even make it to the 64. I think UCLA goes ahead and bounced them right out the bat. So, I think Michigan State was a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I, I don't see any reason for them to be in that tournament other than people love Tom Izzo. So, uh, other than that, I had some seeding issues. I'm just being nitpicky now because I guess that's who I am right now. Um, I don't love Clemson at number seven. Uh, the beginning of the season, people at a seven seed, I mean, at the beginning of the season, people were talking about them being the best team in the ACC. It was dumb then. It's dumb now. Uh, the team just isn't scary by any means. Like Amir Sims is inconsistent, and that's their best player, and there's no one else on that roster that anybody's really worried about. So they should definitely be in the tournament, but a seven seed seems a little high. Other than that, I don't really have any big beefs. I'm not a Louisville fan, so I'll get over it. I'm not really that upset about it. But I that's the one that I said that they I think they got wrong. Would you say so for those who don't know, because of COVID related stuff, Louisville is the first team that would be slotted into the tournament if uh if one of the teams can't play do you think that you would consider taking louisville in a game given that situation if they did get get slotted in because talk about a once in a lifetime opportunity to not make the tournament then say hey you're here do you think that would be like do you think that'd be added motivation to to the team to say oh man let's go out there and do this actually prove that we should have been in the tournament yeah absolutely i think Another thing that I think would be interesting is, is are they taking the place of whoever's out? So, like, if, let's say, Hartford or, you know, Iona can't make it, are they just going to be a 15 seed yeah, all of a sudden? Yeah, it's on the seed line. Yeah, so they could be a 1 seed to 16 seed. Yeah, you know how mad I would be if I'm Gonzaga and I'm supposed to play App State or uh, Norfolk State and then you got Louisville game one? Like, that's that's crazy. So, um, depending on the seed line, yeah. I mean, like I said, if they get Gonzaga in game one, then okay, they get to say that they played in the NCAA tournament, but that'll be well. Wait, uh, 40 they're all in. They're all in Indianapolis, right? All the teams, correct? Yeah. If I'm Gonzaga, I'm like, no, nah, I want to pick. They got to play somebody else. Like this ain't fair. <laughs> like I earned all this just to get a team like Louisville in case like the team I'm playing goes out. Oh hell no, nah. they got to go see somebody else. Yeah, a little I red wonder... rover, red rover, send Louisville right over type <laughs> yeah. of deal. Yeah, 
Louis, Louisville's probably working back channels right now to pay somebody off to to get a tournament seed. They're they're trying to find one of these smaller hey, schools and be like, hey, Patino, I get two if million. If Patino was still there, maybe, but he is It'd there. Be done already. It's, if it, he's there, just not as Louisville's coach. So. Yeah, it, it'd be done already if, if Patino was still there. Uh, so yeah, let's let's break this down a little bit. I kind of spilled the beans a little bit on my Michigan State UCLA matchup. Let's start with the uh, with the playing games. Uh, who do you guys have for those playing games? Um, so. Let's stick with the 11 seeds. I'm not sure if we're really going to break down Norfolk State versus App State. Um, but the Wichita State versus Drake, I think I know where you're going with that, Taylor. Uh, who you got in that? Let's, let's go with you, Nick, because I know where you're going, Taylor. So, Nick, who you got in the Wichita State versus Drake? You got any uh, dog in the fight there? No, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm just going to go Drake. I've seen Wichita State play a little bit. I was okay. I, I'm just going to go with Drake, honestly. I like I just like that feel right there in that game. If not, you know, it's all right. I have no dog in the fight, as you would say. <laughs> I, I don't mind the Wichita State storyline, though. And I, it's, it's unfortunate to me that they're playing Drake um, because I like Drake and Joseph Isufu, who stepped in for Roman Penn there. But Wichita State firing Greg Marshall or getting rid of Greg Marshall, however you want to phrase that, uh, earlier this year, kind of a almost like a an underdog story again even though we wouldn't consider Wichita State an underdog in today's terms but just given the the how their season went that's kind of a cool storyline in my mind where hey we got rid of that asshole Greg and now we're now we're really thriving here so I, I actually wouldn't mind that storyline even though I'm rooting for Drake yeah I, I think it's a really cool storyline um I, I, I think Drake wins that game I just, I'm not, I think there's a better chance with Roman Penn out because Roman Penn was a stud. But to your point with Hemp Hill coming back, because I wasn't sure if he was coming back for the tournament or not. If he's coming back, then I got, I got Drake in that, in that game. Uh, Like I said, I already spilled the beans on this Michigan State versus UCLA. I think UCLA wins pretty easily. Uh, Tell tell me why I'm wrong. Somebody tell me why I'm wrong. You're not. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not. I so I picked earlier in the year. I picked UCLA, uh, or actually in the preseason, I picked UCLA to win the Pac-12. And up until a week ago, they were in first place, and that's how close the top was because they ended up finishing in fourth place. Uh, you know, in the in the tournament, you need good guard play, and Tiger Campbell is a pretty good guard. He's a great college guard, uh, and he should be able to. Uh, you know, along with Mick Cronin, who's been a pretty decent uh, tournament coach over the years, uh, I think they should be able to outlast, outlast Michigan State. And like you said, I, I don't love I don't love Michigan State this year. That's crazy for me to say because I am very well aware that the calendar goes January, February, Izzo, April. So just it's gonna you know it's gonna fuck me honestly hopefully i'm allowed to cuss on this episode on this on this you you, you are okay you are, good yes because we're gonna say because we're gonna say hey michigan state just doesn't have it this year you know and then Izzo's gonna come through and be like did you all just forget all of a sudden who i am you know so yeah. I, I you are right ucla is a much better team a much better team than michigan state in my mind uh, the, it's just the Izzo factor that I would hang on to. But you aren't wrong. I would go UCLA in that game as well. Yeah, I mean, usually Izzo's, it's, it's Izzo's month because he has a good team. That usually helps. Uh, this year, he's got Aaron Henry. 
His second best player, Hauser, for whatever reason, only gets about 20 minutes a game anyway. Rocket Watts has been pretty much stunted all year. I, I, I was a little, I like that kid, but he hasn't really had a great year. Um, Hogard is like the poorest the homeless man's Mateen Cleaves. Uh, and the fact that he, he handles the ball, but he can't shoot any, like you're, he's not a threat. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't see, I just said, I don't think they should be in a tournament. So I definitely don't think they're going to win a game. So I think UCLA wins that by double digits. Is Josh Langford the oldest looking college basketball player this year? This dude has a defined goatee, a Michael Jordan uh, cut, and he looks like he's like 35 years old. This this dude looks like when he's on TV, he could be his dad playing basketball here. Because, I mean, he is the oldest looking college basketball player this year. He, he has this rare thing towards, I don't think he wears knee pads, but I just see him in knee pads, even though he's not wearing them. It just looks like he's wearing knee pads out there. And I feel really bad for Josh Langford because he was a really high recruit. His career started off with a bang. I thought he had, had league potential, and then he just couldn't stay healthy. And then now he's the that old man that you're just <laughs> referencing, and he's giving it all he's got with no knees. He's basically Dewan Blair reincarnate as a guard. Yeah, he, I don't think he has an ACL at all. I'm glad you said Mateen Cleaves because he looks like he belongs on that 2000 Michigan State team. Like, he just looks like 2000-era basketball, college basketball, not 2021. Yeah, I can see him, Mateen Cleaves, and Mo Pete out there wrecking shop. God, I love Mo Pete. <laughs> Mo, Mo Pete. Pete. <laughs> Mo Pete, Mo Buckets. I hear Toronto, Toronto, Toronto Raptors legend, Morris Peterson. I mean, I would I would have agreed before they got the ship, but I, I, still, I still mess with him. Mo, Mo Pete, if you're listening, I know you're not, but I mess with you. All right, so let's, uh, you know, I'm just going to pick a region. Let's uh, go down to the east. Let's go where Michigan's the one seed. Uh, I know that's where Texas is living. So I know some we got a dog in the fight now. Uh, when you look at the, the east bracket, what are you thinking, Taylor? What, what, what do you see? So Michigan is playing. I know we're not going to discuss too much of this play-in game because it's a 16 versus one, but those are the two worst teams in the tournament actually are Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. Um, so I'm surprised they didn't put them up in, in Gonzaga's side of the world there. Um, and that's, you know, that's both by the eye test, but you go by any, you know, like Ken Palm, BPI, any of that. Those are the two worst teams. I love St. Bonaventure. Love St. Bonaventure. The Bonnies are my boys. And they, I think, have a good matchup against LSU. LSU... Trenton Watford, all those guys, phenomenal talents offensively. But they're the fucking worst defensive team in the history of college basketball. They are horrific defensively. So you got a good together team like St. Bonaventure, and that's definitely a team that I'm looking for. They're not going to beat Michigan, but I like that. I like them up there uh, over LSU. Do you want me to just roll through the whole part of the bracket here, or how do you want to do this? Yeah, uh, so actually... I think LSU or St. Bonavich can get Michigan. I think uh, Livers being hurt, I think that matters because when you look at Michigan, they're they're a team whose sum is greater than its parts. I mean, Wagner's a very, is a pro. Wagner's a pro. Mike Smith's a good player. Brooks is a good player. I like Dickinson, but they don't really scare you. It's not someone that you're really. 
scared of, really. Like Livers was kind of that extra, that other guy on the wing that you just couldn't handle because they had really big wings with Wagner and, and, and Livers. And that's gone now. I mean, Shondi Brown is a good player. I, I, I love the fact that he was taking a lesser role because he wanted to win. So he's he went from 30 minutes a night in Wake Forest and scoring 20 and taking L's to getting 15 minutes and, 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 and being part of a winning program. But I, I think I'm not going to say Michigan will lose, but whoever wins that LSU St. Bonaventure game, to me, they got the worst one seed in the tournament. So they, they got that opportunity. Um, so I, I, if you like St. Bonnie's, I wouldn't necessarily say they're automatically going to lose that game if, if they, if they get past LSU. Oh, I, you know, I guess I shouldn't say that they, it, it would be automatic, but you know, St. Bonaventure could be described similarly to how you just described Michigan too. They have five players that average double figures and that's a lot for a college basketball team. And then they also have five players who average more than five rebounds a game as well. Couple 75% plus three free throw shooters. These are all a good, uh, you know, add all these things together. And you're talking about a good formula to beat uh, any really top level team, but even a number one seed, because they can get it from anywhere, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And the difference is that all of theirs are healthy, whereas Michigan doesn't have that uh, luxury. So, yeah, go ahead and keep rolling through, though. What do you think? Uh, let's just go on down. Uh, so you got St. Bonaventure over LSU. Uh, I asked you earlier off air, is Colorado really worthy of a five seed? Yes, they are. McKinley Wright is that dude. And the thing that I really like uh, to look for for any team going into the tournament is free throw shooting. Colorado is on pace to have the best free throw shooting team in the history of college basketball. 83.9% or some crazy shit like that, beating Harvard from the late 90s. It's wild how good they are at shooting free throws. So, especially in a gym that's not going to be full of 20,000 people, but more like 5,000 people, and you're not going to have a lot of people rooting for or against you, and you're a really good free throw shooting team. To me, that's a good recipe for success in the tournament, especially with what a fortunate draw to play Georgetown. I mean, Georgetown's the perfect example of a team where you're rolling through the conference tournament and you're rooting for these guys. They're the underdogs. Oh, this is so cool. Patrick Ewing. They're not even letting Patrick Ewing into MSG because the security guard doesn't recognize them. Just crazy shit like that, right? And then you're like, yeah, cool, Georgetown, dope. And then they get to the tournament, and now we have to pick our brackets, and you're like, man, fuck Georgetown. They suck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nobody's picking their asses, you know? So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a very good matchup for um, for Colorado there. Uh, and they're going to play, in my opinion – the most undervalued team probably in this whole tournament in the next round because I have Florida State beating uh, UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro is fine. You know, typical mid-major. Yeah, this is cool, whatever. I love Leonard Hamilton. I I probably love him more than is necessary for uh, someone who actually hasn't had as much success as we talk about him having. Like, he, he, he is a great coach. But we talk about Leonard Hamilton as if he goes to the Elite Eight like every third year. This dude's been to like one Elite Eight total in 20 years. But he does have like the third highest winning percentage in the ACC. He has over the last like 10 years 
Duke hasn't won the ACC in 11 years, and Florida State's won it two or three times in there, which is wild. So Florida State's teams, what I love about them is they always look the same. They're always tall. They're always athletic as fuck. They're always good defensively. But funnily enough, this year, they're better offensively than they are defensively. I think I would say, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, um, I may have even tweeted it. I might have to find the receipts for this if, if it comes out to be true. But I think Gonzaga is very fortunate that they avoided Florida State because Florida State is the exact type of team, one of the few teams that could take down Gonzaga if they would have met in like the Sweet 16. Long, athletic, slow-paced team that can stick with other NBA players. But we're not talking about Gonzaga yet. We're talking about Florida State. And I like Florida State a lot. Um, when we go down a little further, BYU is another team that probably got seated a little higher than they should have. Um, they are not all that good. Uh, they're led by a guy named Alex Barcelo, former Arizona player Alex Barcelo, uh, who just couldn't get any burn uh, at U of A, my alma mater. And so he transferred out to BYU. He looks just like a guy who would be the starting point guard for BYU. Let me just throw he that out does. there. Yeah, he looks he like if you, if you just pulled him out of John Smith or Joe Smith or whoever the Mormon leader is there, it looks like he's a direct descendant of him pretty much. I hope that's not offensive to anybody here. Um, eh. But, yeah, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep the offensiveness down to a minimum. I have UCLA beating them. Uh, after that, because uh, I just think that UCLA has played much better competition. And, you know, it's just a much more together team. Uh, BYU has its limitations every year. And unless you have like Jimmer Fredette there to knock the top off those limitations, then then you're just not going to go further than one or two rounds in the tournament. Now we get to a team that is going to be hotly discussed here on this program. And that's the University of Texas Longhorns, who I really like this year. Don't get me wrong. Love Texas. Oh, you said don't love, get me wrong. Love Andrew Jones. Uh, he's the best probably storyline of anybody in the tournament. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, would you? No, not at all. And feel pretty excited for, um, or, you know, happy for Shaka Smart. The, the, he started off the year three months ago, that dude was getting fired. And now he's getting extended for sure. Because not only did he make the tournament, get a top four seat, so on and so forth, but he won the Big 12. Now, it was quite fortunate that Kansas had a little COVID issue there in the tournament, but, uh, you know, that's fine. So I will say this, and I wanted to, t- I, I, I will uh, give a little piece of trivia for you here. Okay. To my, Ala- to my Alaskan brethren here. Okay. So we got All our right. boy, Kamaka Hepa from Barrow. Mm-hmm. He's on Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there's another Alaskan playing in the tournament? No, because Auburn ain't in. I know Thor was in, at Auburn. I think who? Nah, I, I, I don't. I guess I need to follow my Alaska basketball a little better. Than that. Right. Me. So his name is Matt Hobbs, and he plays for Hartford. And he went to, uh, where did he go to? Let me see here. He played at South Anchorage for four years and then went to a prep school. So Nick, you were supposed to know that then. That's oh, my bad. Like, I don't keep up with my Anchorage high school basketball. My fault. 
I'm, I'm gonna need you to be better at that next time. Right, okay, so let me that. try one more piece of trivia here. Do you know the last Alaskan to play in the NCAA tournament that played that played high school basketball in Alaska at least for a year or two? I mean, it's got to be somewhere between him and Mario. So I, it's got. Well, there's be... actually quite a bit, believe it or not. I was shocked when I was looking this up. It's got to so, be. Just give me it because I'm not going to come up Another with Anchorage guy. It's another Anchorage guy, and it was just two Nick, years ago. This is on you, Nick. <laughs> it is on me. My bad. I got to start watching these guys in Anchorage. So it's Brandon Huffman. And if you remember Brandon Huffman, he went, to, so he went to um, uh, North Carolina. And he uh, went to West Anchorage as well before he transferred to Word of God Academy in, in North Carolina. I mean, and Word of God, uh, John Wall was right. Yeah, 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 and C.J. Leslie and all those guys. Yeah, so that's a they got a squad. So yeah, those are the last couple Alaskans to play there. Uh, Kamaka Hepa, who, and this is assuming Kamaka actually gets on the floor, which is a whole another story. Which it's either going to have to be a blowout one way or another. Um, but yeah, I like I like Texas in that game. I like Texas in general. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll hear Nick talk a little bit more about how good the Big 12 was this year, which they were quite good this year. Uh, I think Kansas was maybe not quite as good as their rankings uh, led, led us to believe this year, but uh, still the second best conference in college basketball this year. And I'm sure you guys will talk about that more here shortly. Uh, I have Maryland over uh, UConn in the next uh, slot down there. We're going to have to have that conversation, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, okay. Uh, I like I like Maryland there. I think, I mean, James Bugnight is great. I like him for UConn a lot. I, I just feel like UConn might be a year away from be, having a, a, a really decent squad. And I know that COVID shit, who knows, could have been a whole different season. Now, again, as we talked about with Izzo and Michigan State, it's UConn, once they just have a good guard and they get to the tournament, who knows what the hell could happen. You know, they could just run it all the way to the end. Um, and then last on this side is Alabama over Rick Pitino and Iona. I absolutely, absolutely love Alabama. Herbert Jones, the SEC Player of the Year. John Petty Jr., great dude. Uh, Jaded Shackelford, all stud basketball players. And what I like about them is that they shoot the three a lot. The problem with them, though, is they shoot the three a lot. And in college basketball... If you're not shooting the three, you are ripe for an upset, especially against a guy who has taken five different teams to the NCAA tournament and won national championships in Rick Pitino. So I like Alabama a lot. I like Nate Oates uh, a lot. Um, and I'm taking them pretty far, as you'll find out. But uh, I'm, I'm taking Alabama there, but they better make their threes. All right. I, I like that. Uh, there's going to be some banter about that. I'm going to let Nick go next. Because I know this is his this is his uh, region, so I'm gonna let him go ahead and talk about why Texas is the greatest thing to ever happen. They're not the best cartoon character. They're not, but I'm gonna give you the reason why I do think they got lucky in this bracket and getting it. So when they first before the seedings came out and the bracket came out, I went into today thinking, okay, Texas is probably a three, maybe slide into a two spot. I thought they would maybe get some credit for winning the Big Twelve tournament, but. Didn't seem that way. It looked like the committee didn't put as much stock in the winning that tournament or tournaments this year as they usually do. They seem to love that before. They're like, oh, did you win your tournament? How'd you do? But this year, they didn't seem to care about it as much. They were just like, Because y'all ah. Kansas. I mean, beat them twice already, but sure, you can say that. Handily at Kansas, by the way. And 
So I was so when they got the three seed, I was kind of disappointed. But then I looked at the then I looked at where they were and the teams they had. Then I was like, okay, now I'm kind of happy because there's just no team that on this side of the bracket that Texas should fear. Honestly, they talent wise match up with anybody that they're going to see honestly in the tournament or even on their side. They have every position that you would need to win a tournament. They have a big inside who can hold it down who can defend bigs, who can catch lobs, their guards, any one of them can go off for 20 points plus. You saw the other day, Coleman had 30. So they have the guard play. They have the big play. They have the six, the big 12, six man of the year, Kai Jones, who I'm really big on as a pro prospect, not even just in college. I think he's, I think he's making money every time he steps on that basketball court with his length and the things that he can do. Grabbing the rebound and going coast to coast without even having to give it to a point guard and getting the layup or creating for somebody else because he is that type of unselfish player. The downfall of Texas, for me watching them all year, is who Taylor talked about earlier and he loves, and is Shaka Smart. He sometimes gets outcoached. And when this team, when the talent is close and the coach is better, this is when this team doesn't look as good. You, their team, like Texas Tech, to me, Texas is a better team than Texas Tech, but they lost to them twice, and they beat they narrowly beat them the third time, and that was luck to me, honestly. But every time they play Texas Tech, Beer just does something to where he brings that game close, and Texas just cannot run away from Texas Tech. So that scares me in the tournament that they might run up against a team that they might be more talented than, but if their coach is a better coach and a better strategy strategist, they might get got. So that scares me. But if I look on this side of the bracket and I'm just looking at the coaches, I don't see a coach. I mean, I guess you could say Leonard Hamilton. But other than that, I don't see a coach that really can out-coach him, out-coach him. And I like that. And I was really happy to see them get away from Big 12 teams because that was my big worry, too. Would they have to see a Big 12 team that already knows what they like to do? And they don't have to see any Big 12 teams on their side of the bracket. So I think they got lucky with that. They moved them everywhere else. So they don't even have to see a Big 12 team, possibly until the Final Four, I guess. Yeah, that is definitely true. Um, Big 12 being the best or second best conference? That is the best conference in America. Okay. Yes, not the yeah, second best. Yeah, so I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um when we get to the NBA draft stuff, I'll tell you why I completely disagree about Kai Jones. But as a college basketball player, I, I like Kai Jones. Um, I think, to your point, Texas, from a talent standpoint, I don't think there's a team that's necessarily more talented than Texas in the bracket. Like I think from a talent, pure st- talent standpoint, that's probably the most talented team in the East. And a good starting place for any team is to be the most talented team in your region. So I like Texas there. Um, I'm a big UConn guy, so you having them bounce in the first round, Taylor, didn't sit right with me. <laughs> uh, when I look at UConn, I, that's a complete team. You mentioned to have that guard, RJ Cole. If you've seen him in the second half of the season, he's been that dude. Uh, specifically, when Book Knight was out, he took his game to another level. Uh, he looks like one of those uh, classic college guards that, if they were two, three inches taller, they'd be a pro prospect. But instead, they're just going to kill people in Europe for the next ten years. Uh, that's that's what RJ Cole is. Uh, you mentioned Book Knight. He's a pro. He's probably a back-end lottery pick. Uh, Tyrese Martin, transferred from Rhode Island. It's kind of a do-it-all 
player. He can guard a big if he needs to. He can he can guard a, a one. He can basically guard one through four. Hell, in college, he could probably guard a five because not everybody has that that guy to really be in the post. Adama Sanogo, that's probably the biggest transformation from game one to now as far as him as a player because when I watched him early in the season, I was just like, this dude's a D2 player. I don't know why he's out here. And then watching him now, the kid looks like a pro. Like He's a freshman. He looks like he has a pro career ahead of him. Isaiah Whaley's a guy who's a good shot blocker. He's much like Jericho Sims for Texas, just not as good. Um, but he does fill that role. He's a shot blocker. Uh, he can switch out. He's switchable. Um, and they got Andre Jackson, who they got back. So he gives them some depth that they didn't really have. Gaffney just is out there just to take some minutes <laughs> to give Booknight a blow. That team is complete. Like they have it in the post, they have guard play, they have shooters. Like that team to me, I'm gonna go ahead and spill the beans because I got that team in the final four. I, I really do. Oh, um, get out of here. Part what of the team? reason why UConn. So I told you, I told Beating you off who? the show. I mean, y'all, really? So like when I looked get at this, out of here with this. I, I mean, it's a first of all, it's a bracket. Y'all, y'all gotta chill. Act <laughs> like, right. like y'all brackets is right. Let's 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 remember how this goes. It's never what we think it is. We can have chalk all day, and it's never chalk all day. So let's let's start with that. So my big thing, and I've said it to 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 you earlier, Nick, is I think whoever wins that Texas UConn game, I think that's who's going to go to the Final Four. I I to me it's a toss up. I I think they're evenly matched. I when anytime I see a toss up, I go with who whose best player do I like? I like Book Knight better than. I don't even know who you would consider to be Texas's best player because they have so many people that can that can do it. So pick one. I like Book Knight better, and so that's that's how my coin flip works. Um, but honestly, that game could go either way. Um, I I like FSU. My biggest problem with FSU is the same thing every year because Leonard Hamilton is who he is. I love him as a coach, but you can't play ten people. Like you got to cut that bench short, and he always wants to play all ten. And I don't think that works. So I think that's the, if he cut his bench, if he went eight deep, seven, eight deep, I would probably have them going to the final four. Cause I think they have eight guys that can get you there, but he wants to play. Uh, what was his, I, I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. He's going to play probably 12 minutes that he shouldn't play. He'll, he'll play. Um, not Evans. I like Evans a little bit, but he's going to play 10 guys. Two people are going to get minutes. They shouldn't get minutes. And that can cost you a game if they're, if they're getting minutes while MJ Walker's on the bench, while Scotty Barnes is on the bench, while Raekwon Gray's on the bench. Um, I think that's going to be the deciding factor. Uh, but that UConn team is complete top to bottom. Because I said that, they'll probably lose the Maryland first round, and y'all come at me. But this is the way brackets work, right? So that's my See, big I'll, one. I'll, I'm going to interrupt you. Here's what I like, yeah. though, about that. There's no point in finishing in fourth place in your bracket challenge pool. Right. Go big or go home. Like that's worth zero. That's worth just as much as finishing last. Right. So you might as well just go balls to the wall and say, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to be that guy that's either going to finish first or last because finishing in the middle doesn't really matter. We don't, you know, you don't hang banners for going to the round of 32. You know, who cares if you, (laughs) you know, if if you just get a little up towards the top of the leaderboard, just go all the way for it. Right. So, no, I like that strategy. Yeah, so I went I went Ricky Bobby on this one. If you're not first, you're last. So went ahead and did that. Uh, I had Colorado beating Georgetown, like you said. I'm not really sold on Colorado, but Georgetown, uh, I don't even think they're above 500. Maybe they got above 500 by winning the the tournament. So that's an easy one. 
I like LSU over St. Bonaventure. I agree with you, Taylor, though. I, I love St. Bonaventure. But when I look at LSU, I look at a team that's underachieved. And for me, that's the team I'm scared of most is the team that's underachieved. Because if they decide one day to play to their ability, you're going to be in trouble. Because as soon as they start getting that confidence and they start realizing they're playing as good as they should be, it's going to get out of hand quick. So I think that's a team that's scary. If I'm Michigan, I'm hoping St. Bonaventure wins. I think they're a more consistent team, but I don't think their ceiling is as high as LSU's is. So if St. Bonaventure went one, it wouldn't surprise me one bit, but again, you just got to go for it. I got Michigan losing in the round of 32. I have them losing to LSU, but if St. Bonaventure wins, I have them losing to St. Bonaventure. I think that, like I said, I think the loss of livers matters. Um, so I got FSU and UConn. Yes, UConn in the lead eight, and I got UConn. Go ahead and take it because it's going to be book night's going to be it's going to be that poor man's Kimball Walker story. He's not Kimball Walker. I need I need to put that out there before anybody gets upset. He is not Kimball Walker, but that's why he's not going to win the ship. He's just going to get into the final four before he runs to a bus off. So if Shabazz Napier is the poor man's Kimball Walker, is James Book Knight the poor? Man, Shabazz Napier, then, or you know, I I think I can give James Book Knight Shabazz Napier status. I don't think he can have that tournament that Shabazz Napier had because that was a hell of a tournament. Hell, like Shabazz Napier was not going to be a first round pick. Like that was never going to happen. He had that tournament, and then all of a sudden, Miami Heat decided that they wanted to ruin their dynasty by picking Napier instead of well, Jaron Green. Did Miami That's decide another. that, or did LeBron decide that when he tweeted out? Was- yeah, whatever DM he LeBron. tweeted out about Napier. Either way, as far as I'm concerned, at, at that moment in time, Miami and LeBron were synonymous. That was that was the same thing. If LeBron said it, then that means Miami said it. So what did he? He tweeted my favorite rookie or something like that with like yeah. fifteen or college by like fifteen exclamation points. Yeah, yeah, and then he left as soon as they got him. Yeah, um, that, was, that was great. <laughs> he was like, "I just wanted to get you a job, Shabazz. I'm out." Um, so. I look at that bracket, and that's a win. I think there's probably five teams that can win the East. Um, I think the favorites are Texas or UConn. Um, like I said, I think that's a coin flip game. I really think those are probably the best two teams in the bracket with Livers being out because I liked Michigan a lot. I don't think – I think we're kind of glossing over the fact that Livers was out. And remember the last time, Nick, an injury happened and we ignored it, and that was the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not doing that twice. So yeah, we learned our lesson. <laughs> I learned my lesson for sure. So uh, I think Michigan gets bounced early. It's unfortunate that they went all this way. Juwan Howard did a hell of a job, but liver's being hurt to me. I've said it probably 10 times already on this podcast. That matters. So we'll stop talking about Michigan because they're out. So that's where I see it. Yeah. Okay, because I wrote this down as a question, and you kind of went into it when you picked UConn. Because I I was going to ask you guys, was there a seventh seed or lower who can make a run? But you kind of just picked it with UConn. Is there another team? Go outside of this region, though, real quick. Is there another team that's seven seed or lower or higher, I guess I should say, that you think can make a run besides UConn? I'll let you go first, Taylor. Um, yeah, I would say, honestly, St. Saint, Saint Bonaventure is one of those teams, but uh, Loyola Chicago uh, is for sure one of those teams. Unfortunately, they're playing Illinois, uh, potentially in their second round game, but all the metrics on Loyola Chicago pretty much tell you that they're like a top 15 team in the country and they're an eight seed. Um, 
so that would be one team specifically at that range that I would say. Um, I don't love. I don't love a lot of teams this year in that uh, area of the of the seeds. Let's call it. Um, you know, as you guys have referenced, I'm a Pac-12 guy. I don't love Oregon. They're a seven seed. Uh, I don't love North Carolina or Wisconsin. They're eight nine seeds. Maybe a team like Colgate. Colgate's another team that the metrics would say is a much better team than they are. Uh, they play kind of a unique style of of uh, the Princeton offense that uh, a lot of teams just aren't familiar with, uh, at least the, the very specific style that they play. Unfortunately, they're playing, for me, one of my favorite teams in college basketball this year is Arkansas. Those have been long been my boys this year. Um, so... If they weren't playing Arkansas, I would probably take them further than that. But um, I think that Loyola Chicago or St. Bonaventure are kind of those high seeds. Uh, unless my name was Jamal, then I would be taking UConn to, to be that that those guys. Um, I don't know, Nick. Do you have a thought on that? I I just I was looking back, just trying to see if there's any teams I can maybe pick out. The only team I saw was maybe Oklahoma, just because they are and they've played good teams all year, and they have a coach who is a proven coach. But I don't yeah, really see the, it. But I second see, round game would be a problem for Oklahoma. Yeah, that's that's true. I just was it. It was a lower seed team. I was like, oh, okay, if they could get on a roll, just because they so, have a lot of the things that you need. For me, I actually really like Oregon. Uh, the problem with Oregon is where they are because their biggest weakness is they don't have a center, and then they're playing against the best player in the nation that happens to be a center. Um, so that's not a great matchup. I think they're a more talented team than Iowa. I really don't like Iowa's composition of a team. I think they have the best player in college basketball, and they have Wieskamp, and that's it. But hey, Jordan Bohannon. I, I know his name. I'm, I'm aware. Um, <laughs> I'm not worried about him. He kind of. It's interesting, is because he went from just a shooter to now he's a playmaker, and he doesn't even let the thing fly anymore. And I'm like, okay, you're a shooter, bro. Like, let it go. Like, you don't have to pass all the time. Like, we, I've seen your jumper. But if he turns back into his, his his former self, I suppose, and just starts letting it fly, I think that makes them a better team, specifically uh, with some of the injuries they've had, not necessarily from a scoring standpoint, but I think Nunji matters that him getting hurt. Um, but, yeah, I think Oregon's honestly top to bottom a better team than Iowa, but the best player on the court matters in, in – in college basketball or in basketball in general, so they don't Especially have a matchup that good. To, yeah, yeah, that's a hard, have a huge gap. They don't have a matchup for Garza, and so it's hard for me to pick them when they don't have anybody who can guard the best player in the nation. So, um, and they could have. I mean, and Fally Dante could have, could be, or could have been that guy, but he just hasn't panned out to be as good as anticipated for multiple for multiple reasons. Injuries, yeah. COVID, the whole deal. I mean, there were people that were comparing James Wiseman and Infalli Dante last year as like similar prospects. And they have turned out to be not nearly that at all. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I think even with him being a little bit of a disappointment, if he was healthy, I'd probably would take Oregon um, just because you have a body to throw at them. But I mean, Omarui is what six, six and he's essentially playing center. That's not going to work against Garza. I mean, I love that dude's game. I love his effort, but at some point, like you can't be undersized playing against a six eleven. Like you just can't do it. It's just not going to work. 
I mean, that's essentially what happened to Ohio State is when they played Iowa is they didn't have anybody for Garza and you can't you can't you can't go into a game with Iowa and and be like I don't have anybody for for Garza. You're going to lose that game. So well, I think that's go ahead. Uh excuse me. I was going to say Garza is the first player in in major uh conference basketball uh to average 24 and 8 over a year since Michael Beasley. So that tells you what kind of numbers that he's putting up there in Iowa. Yeah, and it's Dude's a stud. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I I got Winthrop in the Sweet 16, mainly because Villanova is hurt with with no, um, I can't think of his name. I'm looking at his little face right now. Um, I want to say Archie Diacono, but I know it's not him. So, I can't, help me out, Taylor. Who's their point guard right now? Come on, man. You you got this. There's there's Archie Diaconos. There's, there's, so I mean, they have the same point guard every single year. Kind of Gillespie, right? Kind of Gillespie. Okay, I yeah. knew I'd... But him being hurt matters a lot. So I got Winthrop in an upset, and then I don't like Purdue. I just don't. I like Trevion Williams. That's the end of the list. Well, I, Ivy's a good player. I think he's going to be a stud here in a year or two. I don't like that team. I really don't. So I got Winthrop over them more because of the, where they got seated. Um, there's always that one twelve seed, right? So I got them in the Sweet 16 before they run into that buzzsaw on Baylor. Um, I think North Carolina is an average team, but I think they're a difficult matchup for Baylor because Baylor's little. I mean, their their power forward is probably wider than he is tall. I mean, Vital, I like I like his game, but he's he's what six four maybe. Right. So I think if you run Baycott and Garrison Brooks, I think they have some issues in the post. I still have Baylor winning that game, but I do think from a matchup standpoint, I think that's a problem for them. I think they overcome it because there's some dogs. But if I could see North Carolina potentially pulling off that upset, specifically on size, if Sweet 16 counts as a run, then maybe that. Um, But I don't think there's a, uh, to Taylor's point, I don't think there's a ton of upsets that I'm really expecting to, to, to happen other than my boys in UConn. In the final four, hey, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm probably wrong, but let them get to the final four. Y'all can't tell me shit. I'm gonna tell you right now. You so, like, no, nah, that ain't right. And I'm like, oh, okay, like you can't want to be in the final four like that. Is that what you mean? So just let I that mean, happen right I now. I won't be happy if they make it. Let's put it that way. So what you say? I won't be happy if they make it because I mean they went through Texas or Texas messed up. So I won't be happy. Yeah, I, honestly, like I said, I think that game's a coin flip, but that's where I'm at. So here's a little nugget for you here. Okay. There hasn't been a 13 over a four in three years. And at no point in tournament history have there been four years in a row where a 13 seed hasn't advanced to the next round. So who, that, who that's going to be, I don't know. But that's right there. It's probably going to be my squad, Florida State, getting upset by UNC Greensboro or something like that. You know, now that we now that we talk about all of our teams, we want to go far, <laughs> you know, losing. So um, let me finish out here, uh, I guess, uh, where are we in the East right here? Yeah. Um, so I have Michigan over the Bonnies there. Um, I have Florida State over Colorado, Texas over UCLA, and Alabama over Maryland, which means I went straight chalk. For my uh, Sweet 16 matchups, I have Florida State beating Michigan. I have Alabama, the second best defensive team in the country, beating Texas. And it's not that I don't like Texas, but I, I think Texas is just a really, really good team. 
a team that ranks like 30th in offense and 30th in defense, and they put that together pretty well. But once you start getting down to that Sweet 16, that Elite Eight, you're talking about teams who are like the number one or number two or number three offensive or defensive teams in the country. Um, And so I like Alabama over Texas. And then I have Alabama over Florida State to get to the Final Four. Alabama scares the hell out of me because they love three-pointer and they don't have a great shooter. They have a lot of good shooters, but they don't have a great shooter. And I don't like a three-point shooting team that doesn't have a guy that I'm like, okay, he's going to be on. Because any given day, Petty can go three for ten from three-point line. Hell, I think he did it today. Um, Shackelford can go three for ten. Quinterly has been shooting the ball very well. I still don't, for whatever reason, have him as a great shooter. I think he can shoot. But Herbert Jones likes to pull up his threes, and no one can tell him different because he's that heartbeat of that team. So they're like, I mean, if he wants to shoot it, he's going. you have to let him shoot it because he does everything else for them. But they don't – They. I thought Bruner was going to be a bigger pickup for them. He hasn't turned out to be that effective. So they're kind of minus a big. They, I guess they can be streaky shooters. They're saving grace to your point is they have a really good defensive team. And if you can, they they say defense travels, it's not as important now because there's no crowd or anything. But obviously, if you can lock up, that matters. So Alabama just scares me because they're a streaky shooting team. And it's hard for me to see them having four games of good shooting. So they have nine players that shoot over 70% from the free throw line, though. And that's, again, like I said, a a stat that I like to stick to. So that means that coming down in a close game, especially a good defensive team like Alabama, they're knocking their free throws down in a a close game late. So that's kind of why I like them. Uh, Like we said, if they don't shoot three well, then obviously that's going to be a problem. At least they're a very good defensive team. And they've got great guard play. Shackelford, Quinterly, Petty, all SEC type of players. Quinterly, uh, of course, transfer from Villanova. Uh, you know, he didn't play much there. Uh, I'm not bitter about him decommitting from Arizona a few years ago either. Don't worry about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, right, exactly. Um, he, yeah, he, uh, he's that dude. He's 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 actually improved a lot this year specifically. Uh, but they kind of run into that same problem that you said with Florida State, though. You know, uh, Quinterly only averages like 24 points a game. Primo averages 22. Bruner, 19. Ellis, 16. Reese, 15. Rojas, 12. You get, they've got a huge rotation of players, and that's good defensively. But if you're coming down, like we just said, if you're coming down the stretch in a tournament game, where does that line get drawn? And are you going to just play, because they've got four or five really good guards, four good guards for sure, there's got to be a big in there somewhere if, if the threes aren't falling. So that would be my problem with them. But I don't give a shit about all that because they're going to the <laughs> Final Four. All right. All right. I like it. Uh, I'm guessing you got Texas in the Final Four, Nick? I do, man. You guys are talking about all these teams, and I just keep them like, well, you said Alabama, but I'm like, what is Alabama going to do that's going to hurt Texas? Like, they have, like, Texas hasn't seen good defensive teams all year in the Big 12. I mean, it's good, and there's number two in the nation. Okay, well, they I mean they play a lot of SEC teams that don't really do anything. All right, I'm gonna back off. I got Texas because I don't see any of these teams that are more talented. Honestly, I just and don't. I, I I live with that. I think Texas is the most talented team in in, in the region. I don't and think Texas is a bad. I pick. think Texas like I said, played I, hard games all year. They haven't taken. They don't have easy games. They didn't. They played in the best conference, in my opinion, and then their pre-conference schedule was pretty good. Kind, of, I guess, for the most part, North Carolina. 
fell off was in there at the beginning and they played Villanova who was better at the beginning of the year and had injuries late. So I'm not going to take much away from them. They are still a good team. So I just think that Texas all year hasn't had the peaks and valleys of playing bad teams, good teams or bad. And then good, they played good teams all year. So nothing's going to shock them to me. Like they're not going to see nothing they haven't seen. And they're going to be, I just think they're going to be battle tested from playing in the big 12 and just not having weeks off. They had a little COVID stint where they had players out, but every team had that. So that's nothing new to any team. I'm only going to give you a little bit of shit about that because Iowa state's like the worst team in college basketball. They, yeah. Did they, and they Iowa get to State? play that got, got to play them twice a year. They only had two oh. wins this year. Well, I mean, everybody in the big 12 got to play them. So that's not, I mean, that's everybody. But besides State, that, that's you playing every, you're playing a ranked team every day, basically. No, they played I mean. in a great conference. No, you are right. They played in a great conference. And here's what I'll tell you about Alabama and why I think they're going to beat a team like Texas. Jabal previously said that LSU is an extremely talented team, right? And they're one of the most talented teams in the tournament. Alabama beat the shit out of LSU both times they played this year by like 20 and 30 points. So they're taking, they're beating those type of talented teams. Obviously LSU is just horrific defensively ranked like 125th in the country, but LSU is a top five offensive team in the country. And Texas, believe it or not, isn't as good as even LSU is offensively. So that's what makes me feel good about Alabama is they've played those good offensive teams. Now, not at the same rate. Don't get me wrong. The Big 12 was a better conference than the SEC. I de- that's e- easily, you know, not even a debate there. But I think that what Alabama did to the better teams in their conference um, is, is going to really show through here. Uh, but, I mean, it's when, when we get down to teams like the Elite Eight, I always say the Elite Eight's a coin flip. It really is a coin flip at that point. So if you say, okay, hey, Texas is more talented than Alabama. Okay. You, you know, I mean, we're kind of, we're we're splitting hairs here when you come to that type of discussion. But yeah, like I said, I, Alabama has played at least enough good teams in my mind. Uh, and not that Texas hasn't, but uh, I, I like Alabama just a little bit more just because of that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you came in hot there, Nick, but I don't think you got the, I think we both like Texas, so you ain't got to sell us on them. It's no, just a matter I just, of who wins the game. I guess I just, it's all of Texas lost. They don't have a bad loss. So I'm I'm just looking at it from that perspective. Like, their losses are all the legit teams. They don't have an Iowa State. They don't have a loss like the Big Ten teams have where you'll see a Rutgers loss or just losses to bad teams. And I'm just like. To, to be fair, if they lose to Alabama, they still won't have a bad loss. Exactly. So, yeah. So I guess. <laughs> My thing is, their losses are the legit teams like Baylor, Villanova, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Like, they're all ranked teams. So Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. But, yeah. So, uh, we've, we've, uh, we've beat the East to death, so let's, uh, let's move on out to the West and see if we can uh, come to a consist- consensus a little sooner. Um, mine's a pretty short and sweet for that. I got the Zags in the Final Four. Uh really doesn't matter who else does anything else because they ain't beating the Zags. Uh, I, I've mentioned I don't really like Iowa's team, but I think they're going against Oregon more than likely because I think Oregon beats VCU. Oregon doesn't have a matchup. I think they'll lose to Kansas, assuming McCormick's back for that game. Um, I got Kansas playing the Zags in the lead eight in the rematch of the game earlier. I think they probably jump out ahead because they're all one one blood and all that stuff. And then the Zags just 
are better, so they'll just beat them. Um, we can get into the nitty gritty. Um, I don't think this is going to be that exciting of a bracket. Uh, so I think the Oklahoma Missouri game is going to be a really good game. I actually really like both of those teams, and I really want to watch who gets the right to lose to Gonzaga. Um, I, I want to see that game because I, I think that's a very interesting matchup. Um, as a Virginia Tech guy, I kind of hope Virginia is that four seed that you were talking about. And Ohio, I think Jalen Preston, I, I really like that kid. I don't see them beating UVA, but it'd be a wonderful thing if that, that uh, holds true. But um, USC is a team that's really frustrating for me because if they just gave the damn ball to their best player, they would be a lot better. But they don't, and that doesn't make sense to me. Like You have Evan Mobley. And he pretty much has to go get a rebound to get the ball in the post. So I don't know what's going on with that. But at the end of the day, no matter how, in my mind, no matter how everything else shakes out, Gonzaga's going to be in the Final Four. Yeah, there's not a lot to debate here. I have Gonzaga playing Iowa in the Elite Eight. Um, I Again, a repeat of a game earlier this season. Interestingly enough, if this bracket went all chalk, Gonzaga's played all of the teams that they would potentially face if it went all chalk uh, this season already. And I think that's pretty interesting, or at least the highest seeds they could pit, you know, the two, yeah. four, the two seed, the four seed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kansas. And right. I like that. I kind of like that Ohio over Virginia game too, especially Man, coming so. off, the, coming off the COVID um, this, this bracket could be super interesting. I don't think it's very interesting as it currently stands, but we've got two, covid teams in this side of the bracket where all of a sudden like louisville and st louis might be there or whoever you know and that could be kind of crazy the one matchup that i'm also taking this is definitely going to be my upset bracket in the first round is i'm taking uh my mother's alma mater eastern washington over kansas and the groves and the groves brothers there in cheney washington uh that's who i'm going with over that and i don't love kansas this year to be honest with you and I just think that listening to Bill Self talk today in the post, uh, post-election post Sunday show interview, he's not even sure they're going to be able to start practicing until Friday. Well, that's when the game the game is. You know, I mean, I, I know that I, I know that a team as good as, and, and as talented as Kansas doesn't need to practice every day. But you and can overcome that, I guess I should say. But at some point, like you think that these walkthroughs and practices and of, of teams and styles uh, that you just have haven't seen all year, it's got to be important. So that's going to be my upset, uh, Eastern Washington, and I really want to take that Ohio game over Virginia. I have I have no faith in Creighton. They're so soft; it's not even funny. They're just huge pussies. So I am not I am not taking them anywhere at all. And I think the whole McDermott thing is just I mean they've got too much too many tumultuous kind of situations going on there. Don't love them. Uh, but yeah, I can't see Oregon getting past Iowa. I can't see Drake or Eastern Washington beating Iowa, and I can't see anybody beating Gonzaga. So I think Gonzaga is a pretty easy pick here. Yeah. What do you What do you think, Nick? I think this is pretty uh pretty easy one. But let let me I'll let you tell it. No, I'm I'm gonna agree with it's gonna be a clean sweep. I have Gonzaga making it to the final four, so I'm gonna agree with you guys. We can I mean I can run down the bracket if you want, but it's gonna end up being Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga, I have Oklahoma over Missouri. 
I have Creighton. I know they're going through some things, but I still think they're a talented team. They'll get that first round. Uh, Virginia, I, you know me, man. I'm never a big Virginia fan. I just don't like the way they play. It's Appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. the solidarity. <laughs> yeah. They're slow. They they just want to muck the game up and play defense, and that just is yucky to me. Uh, so, But they, I got them getting you know, over Ohio. Uh, USC, Drake. Drake, I we talked about that earlier. Or I think we talked about him over Wichita State, maybe not over USC, USC or whatever. Yeah. But Drake. And then I I like Kansas, but you know what? I'll I'll pick I'm gonna change a bracket. I'll go with Eastern Washington over Kansas. I need something to I need I like betting. Your mama that, go there too? Yeah, huh? No, nobody so your mama go there uh, too. My mama didn't go there. That, we'll get into the school that my mom went to later. I, they're they're on the list gonna go pretty far. So we'll get into that school. A little surprise, but I like Taylor, what he's throwing down, and I'm a betting man. I like to go big sometimes, so I'll I'll change that up and go with them over Kansas. I got no love for okay. Kansas anyway. And then, All right. yeah, Oregon, uh, Iowa. I, I don't like Iowa that much. I guess, Jamal, that you were saying you don't really like Iowa. I don't yeah, really like I, Iowa I, either. I've watched them play several times, and I'm just never that impressed. I like Garza's game Uh because he can pretty much get whatever he wants, and I like his little post-up moves, which you rarely see in college from guys, so that's a breath of fresh so air. <laughs> it's so good to see a big man that actually knows what to do when he gets the ball instead of, like, turning it over or just throwing up a crap hook or just anything. Yeah, just... He's not jumping over a phone book the whole game either. No. He's just out here just he's working. Ju- he's just going to joke at you. He's just going to throw a move here, throw a move there, and he's going to lay it up. Maybe dunk it, I guess. I don't know. Can he dunk? I haven't seen it. But, I mean, he can barely. He get there. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think when a push comes to shove, like we all said, we got Gonzaga in this bracket, in this side of the bracket. There's just, there's no teams I really see that can do anything, honestly. So, I got Gonzaga all the way. Okay. Go ahead and uh, start us off in the south, Nick. Oh. Uh, you got you got in the south. In the uh, south. In the south? So this is the side of the bracket where I get a little homerish. Well, I'm, it's going to probably be homerish for a while. Get a little. <laughs> yeah, it's going to stay homerish in this side. As of the bracket. if you have to arrive at homerish. Like, nah, right it's going to stay there. I like Baylor on this side. That's I've watched them all year, pretty much because they're in the Big Twelve and they play on. They played good teams too, and I like Baylor. I know you guys uh, have some teams maybe on this side that could give them a run for their money. Ohio State. I'm on the fence about. I've watched them play several times, especially lately. I like their team, but it's some about that team I don't like. I can't put my finger on it quite yet, but I don't see. I I feel like I see Final Four potential, but I don't know what they're missing. Maybe you guys know or see something that I'm not seeing, or maybe you guys can put the finger on it. But I just don't know. So so right now they have a shooter that can't shoot, and Justin Aaron's. He's a great shooter, but he ain't hit a shot in about three weeks. Uh, that that hurts them. Uh, Dwayne Washington is super talented, but he's not always consistent. Um, they don't have a true big, so if they go against Illinois, uh, they're gonna like that's why they've been losing games basically because they get beat in the post. Um, I don't think they'll have that issue. The good thing for Ohio State is they won't run into a true big at all in the South. There's, there isn't really one. UNC is the only one that has one and they will not see UNC. They don't have to worry about that. So that's their, they had a good, um, 
draw. I still don't have them. I still have them losing to Arkansas because, uh, like Taylor mentioned, Arkansas is a team that I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're a good team. I just they're unspectacular. I think that's kind of when I look at the Big Ten, like everybody lauds how great the Big Ten is. Um, I'm I just wasn't enamored with it because I don't think they have any team to me that's like untouchable right like the big 12 with baylor like that team to me that's a great college basketball team um obviously acc doesn't have that either um but when i look at the big 10 i'm like yeah i like ohio state yeah i like michigan now michigan healthy is probably that team um we've we've talked at nauseum at that but i don't love iowa i don't really like Maryland. Honestly, that's a good defensive team that can't put a drop a ball in the ocean. Rutgers is probably the biggest underachieving team in the nation because they have talent all over that roster, but they can't win games. When they got blown out by Nebraska, I was done. That was it for me. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, Ohio State's a good team. I don't think they're a great team. Um, I think they can get got. As a Virginia Tech fan, I have them beating Florida because that's misseeded. It should be the other way around. It should be Virginia Tech as a seven and Florida as a ten. That's not even me being a homer. That's just that's just the cold hard facts there. So um, I got Virginia Tech beating Florida. Um, outside of Castleton having some amazing game, I don't think that game is close. Because um, like Ohio State, Virginia Tech can't handle a true big. That's why we lost to uh, UNC. Um, Castleton is tall, but. He's kind of light in the ass, so I think he can be moved out of the lane. I don't think we'll have that big of a problem there. Um, I wanted to take Ohio- Virginia Tech over Ohio State. I don't think that's a smart decision. I'm all about being smart, so I went ahead and closed my eyes and wrote OSU. You should see how ugly it is because I had to close my eyes. Um, Texas Tech is a team that has a lot of talent, but I don't know. I just don't love Texas Tech for whatever reason. Like Chris Beer is a good coach. I'm not a huge Mac McClung guy. I think oh and boo. I, so let me I think he's fun to watch. I love watching Mac McClung. But I don't know how much it's interesting because he plays with a lot of heart and you can tell he you know he's one of those competitors that are are going to do everything they can to win, but I'm not sure how much his game contributes to winning like in and of itself. As much as he's trying to win, I don't know if he's actually like really a, that much of a net positive. Um, but like I said, I love watching them play and actually Taylor, I was listening, I was listening to your podcast and, uh, probably the bad take of the century is uh, your boy said Mac McClung over, uh, Cade Cunningham. Uh, Who? What? Wait, wait, incredibly, Who incredibly bad take. Who said this? Yeah. One of, uh, one of our co-hosts there. And he said that it was so funny too, cause he said this the Tuesday before Cade Cunningham went for like 40, he, we were having this discussion. He was like, yeah. Mac McClung is an important part of Texas Tech's roster. Like he t- keeps the team together. He's impactful, and I I just lost it on it. I'm like, dude, this this is completely inaccurate. And then Kate Cunningham goes and have 40 the next game, and I'm, and I'm like, dude, he did he listens to our podcast and did that to you specifically. And then he doubled down on it, and that's when I was like, oh okay. yeah, I don't know if I can take this guy seriously. No, but, uh, I've watched <laughs> a lot of Mac McClung being a Texas fan. He plays for Texas Tech. He all he can do is shoot. I mean, not even really shoot. He puts up shots. Let's put it that way. I don't He's really super fun to watch. No, he is because like, he plays balls to the wall, but he gets a lot of foul calls too. Like he falls down and they give him a foul call. Like I watched the game where he just kicks out his legs and the refs are like foul. He, he, just, he does a lot of flailing. He does a lot of NBA flailing, 
which they don't usually let you get away with in college, but he tends to get away with it. I mean, you can do because his hair bounces. The, the hair but, bounces what gets it. <laughs> but it yeah, like, it looks like he just took a punch because they see the yeah, hair bounce. He does a lot of that NBA flailing, and they tend to buy it when he does it, but nobody else gets those calls. But all right, but you know, I don't like yeah. Texas Tech that much either. So. so I can see Utah State beating Texas Tech. If I had to pick an upset, um, it'd be them or North Texas beating Purdue. I've talked about how I don't like Purdue. They'll probably win the whole damn thing. Uh, but I don't love Purdue. I I think they'll probably squeak past North Texas because I don't think they have anybody for Trevion Williams. Um, I got Winthrop in the Sweet 16. I think Villanova is a wounded team just with no Connor Gillespie. I don't know why it took me so long to, to pull that name. Um, Archie Diacono that they have isn't the one that they need to win this game. Um, they have his brother Chris. Uh, they need the one that's in, in Chicago right now. Uh, I just I watched them. I think they lost. I think it was Georgetown that they lost to actually, and they look like they don't have an identity without Gillespie. So I think Winthrop kind of makes a little run, just kind of because they're in the right place. I think Louisville is gonna send some COVID that way because I think they <laughs> I think they could be in the Sweet Sixteen if they could get Winthrop to get out of there. But uh, UNC, like I said, I think UNC is better than Wisconsin. Uh, Again, they have a, a good matchup with Baylor from a the one weakness Baylor has. They they kind of can exploit that, but I don't think it's enough to beat Baylor. I think those boys are dogs, and they'll figure it out. Um, I think I kind of took over, Nick. I don't think you finished your bracket. So I'm no, you're good. You. I was going to ask you a question because you kind of went back to Baylor. Do you think Baylor's depth helps them? Because I think they're one of the deepest teams in the tournament. Like they, I know you don't like Leonard Hamilton for playing 10 guys, but... I think Baylor's strength is being able to play a lot of guys, honestly. So I think Baylor has depth, but they don't necessarily go past eight. They can if someone's in foul trouble and they need to do that. But I think generally speaking, it's Mayer, it's Flagler, and um, Thamba is generally who they come off the bench with. Um, I guess ahead. I guess I meant depth as in like, not falling off when you go to your bench. Cause I feel like some teams they play people, but they fall off. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you so, play guys, but you fall off when you go like Texas with Brock Cunningham. So I was going to ask you about Baylor's depth. Do you think that they don't fall off when they go into their bench? Unlike other teams fall off when they start going into their bench, like Texas, when they go to Brock Cunningham, who Chaka likes to play, it's a dip. They they're basically losing a score automatically when he comes on the court. Does Baylor have that problem or do they not? No, so I, you know, I've, I've made a couple comments about people going too deep into their bench. Um, that's not a shot at depth. Depth is a good thing. Um, but I think Scott Drew does a good job of of utilizing his depth in a way that's not uh, counterproductive. So he probably goes about eight guys deep. Um, we're looking at Mayer, Flagler, and Thamba. Um, he'll go to nine and ten if someone's in foul trouble or some... You know, things happen in college basketball. One thing I, I, I want to note, and I say it all the time, it, it pisses me off college basketball, this idea that as soon as someone gets two fouls, they have to sit out for the rest of the half, no matter when they got the two fouls, is the most frustrating thing ever to me. It doesn't make any sense to me that why you would, Cade Cunningham gets two fouls in the first five minutes, and you're going to sit him down for 15 minutes because you're worried about not having him. I'm like, okay, but you did it to yourself. Uh, I digress. Um, the more, to your point, I think they have good depth. They go eight strong to where they don't drop off. I think nine and ten they drop off, but they don't really play nine and ten that often unless they need to. So uh, I think their depth is a strength. 
Um, they can get to to that level like you were talking about, but they don't generally do. I think Scott Drew does a good job with his rotation. Um, one thing that I do like about Baylor is I think that rotation is set. Um, I mentioned earlier with FSU, I think they're going to have to do some tweaking with that rotation. Same thing with Alabama. Um, it might be a blessing in disguise with Primo Hurt, not because he's not a good player, but because it forces them to shorten their bench um, in Alabama. Um, but Baylor doesn't have that problem. I think they already know who does what, who gets what minutes. And so their depth is definitely a strength of theirs, and I don't think it's going to be a weakness in that way. I think the only problem with Baylor's depth is when you put someone like uh, Flo Thamba, best name in college basketball, on the court is uh, he's not great offensively. Um, And this is one of the few Baylor teams that actually is better offensively than they are defensively over the years we've come to know them as a really sound together team and they're still good defensively don't get me wrong but they're not like elite elite defensively like they have been um you know jared butler makes up for a lot of mistakes that anyone else will make or can make on that team but i i like what you said jamal in the sense that like they're they're uh their rotation just fits perfectly uh, for what they need, they can put in a defensive player when they need extra defense, or they can put in an offensive player when they need. A, I mean, even someone like you know Macy Oteague or Masi Oteague is still shooting like fifty percent from the field. So they they're super efficient offensively, and it's not bad every so often to inject a guy like Flo Thamba for defensive purposes, uh, whether they need a, a defensive stop or a run or whatever they need. And this is a little bit off topic, but Taylor probably knows. Is the Mitchell kid from Baylor related to Donovan Mitchell? Because I keep wondering this because the last name and the number, are they related at all? I don't even know. No, I don't even know. That's Because he has number 45. His name, his last name's Mitchell. And I think his name even starts with a D. I think it's like, it's something, I don't know. But I've been wondering that every time I see Baylor play. I'm like, are you related? Da- Davion, Davion Mitchell. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. I don't, I'm not, not sure if I see any resemblance here, uh, but <laughs> we could probably do a deep dive on that. All right. That keeps popping. Is it just me or is Davion Mitchell like super bow-legged? That's how you know he's a good athlete. I, I've seen <laughs> when people's feet look like point at each other, I'm like, that man is an athlete. That's, that's, that's what I look at. I'm like, if he out here, he's a, that's a dog right there. It's funny you say that because he's from Georgia and he looks and plays like a guy who should be playing for the University of Georgia because those really are the, that's exactly who they recruit. No matter who the coach is or who the year is, it's that type of person. He looks like a dual sport athlete to me. Like he he just had to come after after they were in the Sugar Bowl or something. He has to get some late practices and do it that way. Uh, yeah. So I think Nick and I are in agreement. I think we both have Baylor. Uh, Taylor, you got somebody other than Baylor? Yeah, I'm gonna buck the trend here. So um, I've talked about some SEC teams that I like and one specifically that I like a lot. Um, and I'll get to that here momentarily, but we'll run through, uh, you know, a couple of the matchups here in general. Um, I got Baylor, of course, beating Hartford, even though we got our Alaska boy, Matt Hobbs, on on Hartford there. Can't be taking them. That's not going to happen. Uh, North Carolina and Wisconsin, two of the most frustrating teams in college basketball. Wisconsin specifically. Wisconsin has the makeup of a team that you would look at and you're like, this team should be an absolute dynamite tournament team. They are old as shit. 
they've got size, they've got the coaching, they've got guard play. What else are you looking for? In fact, I'm not even exaggerating how old they are. Their starting lineup is older than the Chicago Bulls starting lineup. And yet they yeah, it, and yet they lost 10 games in conference this year. Go ahead, Jamal. Yeah, I like what I don't I, I don't get it. Isn't Trice like 26 or something crazy He's like 25. that? 25. Like yeah. yeah. Like Yeah, that's wild. Like me at 31 close to a, have having been in high school at the same time as this guy, like within a couple of years of that, which is wild, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that is always, I just don't understand how that happens because uh, believe it or not, Brad Davison, who feels like the, he's been there for like nine years, is actually one of the younger dudes on the team. And he's like 21, two years old, 21, 22. The, just a consummate guy taking charges every 30 seconds that's his only role on that team um which isn't hard to do in college basketball everything everything's a charge now yep um i'm taking north carolina in that game simply because it's a lesser of two evils i hate wisconsin but that's uh because i have ptsd from 2014 and 2015 with frank kamitsky and sam decker um I just think that all year long, I have bet on Wisconsin, both with my actual money and just figuratively, uh, you know, in picking them in games. And their age and their seniority and their experience have, have proven to mean almost nothing this year. So uh, North Carolina there. I am going to take Villanova just simply because of Jay Wright and his uh, extremely well-tailored suits. Uh, but I do like that Winthrop pick. I could definitely see that. Uh, I'm taking North Texas over Purdue. I I don't get it with Purdue. Purdue's 20th ranked team in the country via the AP poll and a top four seed. This team cannot shoot the basketball at all. They like 32% from three for the year in in 2021. Not like 1981, like 2021. They're shooting the three point three pointer at 32%, 33%. That ain't gonna fly here in this age of college basketball. And unfortunately, as much as I love Chris Beard, I am going to take that Utah State game, or Utah State pick, over Texas Tech. Chris Beard's a phenomenal coach, and I like Mac McClung a lot. They've got a, you know, they've got a number of other good players on that team. But this Utah State team's a little underrated to me. Uh, I can never see his, say his name right, but their best player is uh, Nemius Keita. Nemius Keita. Uh, he averages 15 and 10 a game. 10 rebounds in a college basketball game is a lot of rebounds. That's a big deal, yeah. I don't know. I Maybe you can remember the numbers. I'm sure you've seen them before, but when they equate how many points in a, and rebounds and assists in a college basketball game, what that equates to in the NBA, 10 college basketball rebounds equates to like 16 rebounds in an NBA game or some crazy number yeah. like that. Um, so he's a ball player. Uh, they got Brock Brock Miller, old bald-ass Brock Miller there with the headband. Uh He's a fine guy, but Utah State, funny enough, they they are the same basketball program as they are football program. They're always like sneaky good, always pulling upsets, always consistent every year. So I like Utah State in that game. And then, unfortunately, I have to take Arkansas over Colgate. We talked about Colgate a little earlier about and how good they are, but I love this Arkansas team. Like, love, love this Arkansas team. 
uh, with Musselman there. He's made a great impact in just a couple of years that he's been there. I love Moses Moody. Uh, I, J.D. Note, Justin Smith, Jalen Tate, all great players. Uh, I just I, there's something about this Arkansas team that I just hung on to for this whole year pretty much and they've proven to be one of the better defensive teams in the country they are not quite as good as Alabama defensively uh, and they're a little worse offensively they're kind of like Alabama light almost in in some of their metrics but I do like this Arkansas team a lot and they are a team that has clearly been able to respond to adversity they got their doors kicked in against Alabama the first time they played this year and then they came back the second time and beat Alabama I mean they literally lost by like 45 to Alabama the first time they played and then they came back and won which has been kind of a a, a theme of this year and a, a consistent betting theme that I've had is bet on the team that got blown out the first time because then they've almost always covered at a super high rate, like 70% of the time the second time around. Um, but I do like this Arkansas team a lot. I have them going really far. And kind of echoing your guys' thoughts on Ohio State, just can't put my finger on what I do or do not like about Ohio State. This year has been kind of strange with the amount of losses that we see, The you know some of the, not as much as the one seeds, but the two and three seeds. And uh, Ohio State has nine losses. And they're a two seed. And that's a lot of losses for a two seed. And I get that they just made the Big Ten final and all that. But I, I, I yeah, I just don't just uh, my thoughts are exactly the same as yours. I just don't see it with them. Um, and I, I, I just can't put pick them going too far in this tournament. I am picking them over Oral Roberts, of course. Um, we talked about Alaska basketball. There is an Alaska basketball alum that went to Oral Roberts and Damon Bellholter. Uh, not there anymore, and they didn't make the tournament while he was there. But uh, that's that's my only connection to Oral Roberts is that right there. <laughs> um, I have Baylor beating Nova in the Sweet 16, and I have Arkansas over Ohio State in the Sweet 16. Oh, I picked Florida over Virginia Tech. Sorry, brother. That's that's just how I had to go with that there. I was wondering why you skipped it, but now yeah. I kind of wish you just didn't need to come back. Yeah, to my bad. My Carry bad. On. Yeah. So, and then I have Arkansas pulling the upset over Baylor. Two SEC teams in the final four. How annoying are SEC fans going to be if they get two teams in the basketball final four? Not just the football final four, but the basketball final four. They probably wouldn't even be able to tell you because they're all about football anyway. I mean, it's funny, though, because they are the schools that that have those multiple national championship seasons, like Florida, you know, back in uh, the Tebow and and Yoakam Noah, Corey Brewer days there. Uh, They had national championships in the same year. But I'm not picking either of these SEC teams to win the national championship, but I am picking them to the Final Four. Am I completely off base by taking Arkansas over Baylor? No, I really wanted to. Uh, I stared at it. I, I wanted to pick Arkansas because I, I really love Arkansas's team. Uh, Justin Smith is a guy who was, frankly, an underachiever in Indiana. Um, transferred to Arkansas and is doing what he probably should have been doing um, in Indiana. Um, Moody is, to me, I, I, he's a pro. I love him as a pro. Again, we'll, at some point we'll talk draft, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak, speak more about his pro prospects. But I love his game. Uh, Jalen Tate, I believe he was at Northern Kentucky. Um, 
he transferred in from there. Uh, he's a really kind of a throwback player. Um, he's just one of those kids that are undersized, but somehow he ends up with five rebounds a game for, I don't know exactly how he could track them down, but he did it. Um, he's got a nice headband game going on too. He just looks like one of those dudes that's probably been just had a ball in his hands since he was two, um, and just made it work even at his size. Um, they got a guy that I actually really like, and they don't even play him anymore, and Desi Sills. Uh, so that just shows you how deep that team is. Um, they got a their freshman who basically took Desi Sills' spot, uh, Debo Davis. Um, he's just uh, what a coach would say is an OKG. You know, he's just he does everything that you want a player to do. He he he's somebody that they always are gonna want him around because he's got his, he's got his. He has a nose around the ball. I know that's more of a football term, but he finds a way to do that in basketball as well. Uh, he makes the right play pretty much every time, and he does that as a freshman. Um, he's kind of he's what I would always call the perfect basketball player, and the fact that I think per, perfect college basketball player, excuse me, um, and the fact that he probably isn't going to be a pro prospect anytime soon, but he's going to be a very good college basketball player. So you'll get those four years out of him. So. Anytime you get a guy like a Garza or an undersized kid that just won't be a pro but will still dominate at the college level, like that's who you want in the in the recruit. Like the one and dones are nice, but if I can get somebody who's gonna be as, as effective, but be here for four years, and that's what I'm looking for. But I I digress. I love Arkansas, so I don't I don't think you're off base at all. So Arkansas has the fourth uh quickest tempo of any team that made the tournament. Uh, and I like that a lot when it comes to these games. It's one of the same reasons I like Alabama, too, because they're one of those four teams that uh, have the quickest tempo. Uh, Winthrop is the third highest tempo of any team that made the tournament. Gonzaga's number one. I mean, Gonzaga's fucking number one at every statistical category, pretty much, whether it be tempo. I mean, their worst stat is that they're the 10th ranked defensive team in the country, but that we already talked about them. So uh, yeah, I have Arkansas uh, going to the final four um, just for, yeah, that multitude of reasons. Uh, great defensively. I, I like their tempo. They control the pace of the game and they've got some studs. They've got some players and muscle mill muscle, Eric Musselman, excuse me, has experience. Muscle man. Yeah, muscle milk. Eric Muscle Milk, as we call him over there on uh, theater and college hoops. Um, he's got experience coaching in big time games and not a ton, don't get me wrong, but it's not, this isn't going to be his first foray into big time college basketball uh, games. So correct me if I'm wrong. He was there with at Nevada when they had the Martin twins, right? And he brought them to what, Sweet 16? Yep, Caleb like and Cody. Yep, and then they yep. had, uh, I think Jordan Brown was a, a freshman that year too, um, who's now on Arizona. Um, yeah, and they actually kind of underachieved really, I, I think, because I thought the Martin twins were going to take them pretty far. Uh, but that may have just been my own personal biases uh, in that regard. But yeah, I, I like uh, I like Arkansas over Baylor uh, in the to get to the final four. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. I like it. You, I mean, we've talked about it a bit. When anytime we have this tournament, there's always going to be something you didn't see coming. So you can't just pick the chalk because that's just not how this works. So I think Arkansas is a team that can definitely get Baylor. Uh, they have the talent. They have all the ingredients. Like you said, they have the coaching. They have what you would need. So 
I don't think that's that far off. Baylor has actually kind of shown some some warts over the last since they came back from that COVID break. So it, luckily, they don't have to play early season Baylor. They have to play this iteration of Baylor. So I think they can get them. I really do. No, I you, you bring up a great point because two weeks ago, I don't think I would have even questioned taking Baylor to the Final Four. Um, but we also have to, you know, where I have questions about why I'm picking Arkansas over Baylor is do I have too much recency bias? Like Baylor still only lost twice this year. It, it's it's not like they looked terrible at any point either, you know. So am I am I putting too much stock into two pretty fine losses and saying, oh yeah, well Arkansas they're gonna, they're going to take them. But I mean that that's uh, kind of what comes with doing a bracket, I guess. Yeah, I think Baylor's probably worst game came in a win when they played against Iowa State and um, barely won that game. So even though they only have two losses, as far as I was concerned, like that was pretty much a, that was that was their worst played game, and it was it was right after that COVID break. So I tried to give them. I mean, most teams look terrible right after that COVID break. So um, yeah, I I think they can be got, but I mean Baylor's the better team. But you all you gotta do is be better for one night. And that's the great thing about the tournament. So, do we want to start down here on the uh, Midwest bracket here? Final, kind of finish it out here? Is that where we're at? Yeah, let's get there. I mean, our listeners are probably, we usually go a little longer than we want to, but I think this is going to be a new record. So, uh, let's go ahead and take our time down the Midwest, do a little Midwest swing and, and, and bring it home. You know, if they've stuck with it this long, they might as well just finish her out, right? So, yeah, why not? <laughs> so, why not? I love Illinois, and I love Ao Desunmu. That's my guy. That I I I love this team. Kofi Coburn. There's nothing I really dislike about this team. About a month and a half ago, or two months ago, I thought this team was a little lost or lost. Excuse me. Uh, but Brad Underwood is a, is a great coach. He is a top ten ish, top twelve ish coach in the country type of guy. Um, and he has really brought this team together. The thing that really changed my thought on Illinois was when Ayo Desunmu broke his nose and they still won a couple games uh, without him. And that showed me that they're a little deeper than I had anticipated. But Ayo Desunmu, if, if not for Luca Garza, would be the National Player of the Year, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a, a, a phenomenal NBA player as well. Uh, I, I love his attitude. I, I love him as a teammate. I, I, I mean, I, I, I like everything about him. There's only one player in the country that I like equally as much or more than him. We'll get to him here in a second. Um, I like Loyola Chicago over Georgia Tech. I don't think much of Georgia Tech. I, I, it's a cool story that they won the ACC and all that in the worst year in the history of the ACC. Josh Pastner, Arizona guy. As much as I hate to say it, he just sounds like that annoyingly positive guy that you, everybody has, you know. I don't know if anybody listened to his voicemail oh, that they played. Oh, I did. On, it was yeah. like, oh, I, I couldn't even sit through it. I was like, no, I can't do this. Dreams are rainbows that float over like butterflies. I'm like, Jesus, dude, shut the fuck up. All right, just coach basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like, it says, there's no chance that this is motivating your 19-year-old college athlete. Like stars like, stars and butterflies and unicorns and like no no i don't need this man he, he's like the anti mccronin yeah because anytime i watch a ucla game i'm like there's no chance in hell i would send my kid to mccronin <laughs> that is just like that's abuse right. honestly like, he's, a, he's a hell of a coach but he's never happy 
I guess, that dude is mad at everything. I guess it's better than like Greg Marshall and and McDermott and those guys. You know, I guess I'd rather have Pastor than those guys who are just like actually abusing both verbally and physically their players. But uh, what? Yeah. I, I yeah. that the the this whole little uh, let's all hug each other and be friends thing doesn't go very far in the NCAA tournament in my mind. And Loyal Chicago is a team that we talked about a little earlier. Uh, about being a team that is an eight seed that is ranked in the top eight, 15 in the country. And they have all the the net rankings, the BPI, the Ken Palm, all, what, whatever rankings you want to use. They should be qu- quite a bit higher than this. Uh, so I like Loyola Chicago in that game. I hate my next pick. Hate it. And it's Oregon State over Tennessee. Only for one game. And maybe this is just me being a Pac-12 homer because I – don't think very highly of Oregon State at all. But I'm going to go with some hot beaver magic here. Some hot beaver action over Tennessee. Wayne Tinkle leading the boys from Corvallis over Tennessee. Especially if Fulkerson's not playing for Tennessee. That's a big loss for them after being uh, smoked in the head by an elbow uh, during the SEC tournament. Tennessee is a team that I thought highly of for most of the year. But their offense is just completely Jekyll and Hyde. They can Rick score hundred, yeah. They can score a hundred points a game, or they could score like forty-two the next game. Uh, and I just don't like that in a tournament setting. Um, Oregon State's on a run. I think they're. I think Oregon State is better than Georgetown. You know, in teams that we're talking about making these type of improbable runs. Uh, we got a lot of orange teams also in this side of the bracket as well. Uh, and so, it, literally six of them, or seven of them, excuse me, yeah. I think. But um, I, I, whatever. I like their orange better than than Tennessee's orange. So we're going with Oregon State. This is a this is a deeper orange. Yeah. I like I do like yeah, that. Yeah, right, exactly. My favorite orange team, or second favorite orange team in this bracket, though, is Oklahoma State. Now I'm sure I'm going to cut where I'm off here. And talking about Oklahoma State, because I'm sure we're going to have all a lot to say about Oklahoma State. I Oklahoma State has a horrible matchup against Liberty. Liberty is a good ball club. They are a solid team. Uh, they they match up, or they they look good in in most of the metrics that you use. And I am kind of a stats guy, as you probably have gathered so far. And I know that's not the end all be all of things, especially in a tournament setting. But there's no stat that puts a guy or no, you know, no metric that says, you know, shows you how good Cade Cunningham is. That guy is without question the number one pick in the NBA draft this coming year. He is a guy that is not only a phenomenal college basketball player, but in my opinion, will be a great, great pro. And I think that he is going to have a almost Carmelo Anthony like type of effect. Uh for this Oklahoma State team. I am not taking them to the Final Four, but it would not surprise me if, if Cade Cunningham just says, everybody jump aboard, let's go. And they did prove to have some more depth on that team. They got a pretty young team there with Oklahoma State. Now, after saying all this, uh, Cade Cunningham's going to go 4 of 20 uh, for 8 points and like 6 turnovers in a loss to Liberty in the first round but I am taking Oklahoma State Do you got, before I continue do you guys have anything to add about Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State I like Kate Cunningham it's always funny to me when I watch Oklahoma State play in Kate Cunningham because you'll see teams treat him like a college point guard 
and they'll run things that work on college point guards, but he's not a college point guard. He's an NBA point guard. So he just dimes really easily because they run a double team at him, and he's he's a tall he's a taller point guard. So he's like, oh, I can see over these guys, and he just makes easy passes all the time. And I'm just like, you guys can't treat him like a normal college point guard. You can't just run these things at him and think they're gonna mess him up because you're running a double team at him. Nope, he's gonna swing it real quick, and they're gonna get a good shot. So that's one thing I do love about Cade Cunningham's game is there's really not a lot that. Uh, flusters him. I don't like that he likes to get in the game slowly. I think that hurts Oklahoma State a lot of the times. He likes to kind of get other guys going, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes he needs to kind of get it going off the bat and show that he's the best player on the court, because he is. Every time he steps on the court, he's the best player. And you can see it off the bat. And he doesn't play like that all the time. He waits until he almost tries to do a Superman thing where he waits until his team really needs him. And he starts putting it on, but by that time, they're either down and they're having to make a comeback or the other team has gotten in the rhythm too. I just wish he would start off faster and help his team out by putting up shots quicker and getting into a rhythm faster for himself other than waiting until the second half where he likes where he averages something insane like 16 points or something crazy for second half points. And I'm just like, get that going in the first half. Give your team a better chance. So that's the only thing I really don't like about his game. But other than that, he's he's a superstar, like you said. He's pretty much, you know, consensus top one, top two pick, him and Suggs. So. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think he's a little – his biggest knock is probably he's a little too nonchalant. Um, he almost looks bored. Like, you'll see some turnovers where he just straight loses the ball because it was like he wasn't paying attention. Um, and one against West Virginia, I believe it was West Virginia comes to mind, and he got a switch on to Culver, and he was about to take him to the basket and just lost it, just just flat out, just lost his dribble and had to go. And just and then he didn't even go for it. He just kind of like shrugged his shoulders, and went back on defense, like eh, whatever. I'll just get him next time. So I think he can be a little nonchalant. Um, but other than that, like there's not really a hole in his game per se. Like he can shoot, he can pass. He's he's bigger than most guards. Um, he's got like a seven one wingspan. Like the kid, like he doesn't have a hole in his game. So I think he's going to be a stud at the next level. I think he's the next level is actually going to probably be easier for him in a sense, like on the offensive end, because he's playing on a team without shooters. So he doesn't have space, and he's still able to kind of get wherever he wants. So you get to an NBA team, and the three-point line's back, so you got more space anyway, and then you have people that are more of a threat to shoot. And I think he's going to have Dantas-type numbers probably pretty quickly. So, um yeah, he's that dude. I don't love the team as a whole. I think they play hard. Um, but when you have the best player on the court and you have the energy guys that they have, then you you can you can make a run um, in the tournament. I think Boynton's done a heck of a job coaching this year, though. I will say that. I think he's a super underrated coach. Um, and obviously super helpful when you have the best player in the country uh, to look like a good coach. But I do think he is a, is a great coach because they won games. We referenced that 40-point game that Cunningham had. That next game, Cunningham only had like eight points with four minutes left in the game, and they still won that game as well. Um, what I like about Cunningham, too, and it's funny that we, you know, or not funny because I made the reference, so I shouldn't laugh at myself, I guess, but uh, is... Carmelo Anthony and Cade Cunningham are the same size, but we don't think of them as the same. Like, Cade Cunningham is 6'8", 220. Like, that's 
as tall or almost as tall as LeBron is. You know, we just don't. It just shows you how the game has changed since Carmelo had that run for another Orange team in 2003. To now, where he was playing more of that that four position with like Hakeem Work even playing the three, and like Jerry McNamara playing the one and two. Where now, Cade Cunningham is like Ben Simmons with a jump shot. I don't know if that that's maybe not the best comp, but this dude can do everything, and. Uh, he might have the same effect as like Carmelo had, but it's, his skill set is not the same. But that just, like I said, shows you how much that the game has changed in, I guess, our lifetime or a, a short amount of time. So I will, uh, I will say that my favorite matchup at the tournament hopefully will be coming up between two players we've already talked about. But after that, I have San Diego State beating Carmelo Anthony's Syracuse Orangemen. And then I have West Virginia beating Moorhead State. Moorhead State, I think this is the first time they made the tournament in like 70 years or something like that. I uh, There was some crazy stat that was thrown out about that. That could be completely wrong. So make sure to edit that out, Jamal, if that's wrong. So I don't think anybody <laughs> will fact check it, so we'll just say it's right. <laughs> um, I love this West Virginia team too. Big 12. Maybe I do love the Big 12, Nick. Maybe I am a Big 12 fan. Maybe you've convinced me here. Or maybe I've convinced myself. There you myself. go. I don't Come know. to the dark yeah. side. It feels good over here. It's coming to the orange side, I think, is what I've gathered so far. Um, this West Virginia team, I love Huggy Bear. Guy's always been one of my favorite coaches and just personalities in college basketball. Miles McBride, good guard play. Derek Culver, 15-10 and 10 guy. It's hard to, hard to beat a, a, you know, a top two players uh, in the country or you know, a one-two matchup like those guys have. Um, McBride makes like 80% of his free throws, 40% shooter from three. He maybe turns the ball over a little bit, but he's still got like a two and a half to one turnover to or assist to turnover ratio. Just solid ball club. Unfortunately for a team like West Virginia, they strike me as a team that is kind of like Texas in that they are really, really good, but I don't think they're top end final four good, but I do have them advancing over, uh, West Virginia or over Moorhead State. I absolutely hate, and we kind of referenced this earlier. If there's one game of March Madness that I'm not going to watch, it's this Clemson Rutgers game. I believe Shaq said it best when he said, "I don't give a fuck about this game because I, there's no, I don't like Rutgers. I don't like Clemson. I think they're both like I it's, Rutgers almost tanked so hard at the end of the year that they lost out on the tournament." Clemson was a team that I think I think they were ranked for one week earlier in the year, or at least they were almost ranked ranked for one one week. Oh, they were definitely ranked. Yeah, yeah. I don't like either of these teams. I have not, no redeeming qualities about any of these teams that I like, other than what? Uh, uh, who's the junior that plays for Rutgers? Why can't I think of his name? Ron Harper. Yeah, Jr. thank you, Ron Harper Jr. He's dope. But other than that, I have no opinion of these teams. Rutgers is super good at home. But the NCAA tournament isn't played in Piscataway, New Jersey. So uh, I'm going with Clemson in that game, I guess. So, I mean, that's the only, that's really kind of the only game on here where uh, probably the whole bracket where I just don't really, I don't really care about this game. Um, Because these teams, neither of those teams are advancing past the next round. Of all the games in the bracket that aren't a 1 in 16 team, that's the one that I'm for sure, sure. Sure, sure. That that they sure, sure. that they aren't going any further than the next round. 
because the team that they'll play next is the very most underrated team in the country, and that's Houston. Houston is an is unbelievable. They have figured out how to play offense. Last year, they couldn't do anything on the offensive end. Kelvin but this year, back. yeah, this year, they have completely changed their team offensively. Quentin Grimes, great guard. Stud. Yeah, Dejon Giroux. Was, Love that guy. He was a worse offensive basketball player than I am currently in my state right now last year. This year, he's shooting like 48% from the field, can actually knock down a jumper, hit a three-pointer. He's he's great now. I mean, he showed the signs that he could be good last year, but this team has completely changed offensively or improved offensively, and they are ranked extremely highly across the board in any single metric that you want to use, if that's important to you, which clearly everybody understands that they are important to me. Um I, I, I like this team a lot, I, and, and I, to be quite honest with you, was not a believer in this Houston team uh, until later in this year because I remembered last year where I'm like, yeah, everyone talks about how good and athletic this Houston team is, whatever. They can't score the ball to save their lives. This year is completely different. They are in the top 10 of offensive efficiency, and they are one of those teams that doesn't let you control the pace. They are like... This is going to be a bold statement. They're like upset proof because they are so uh, decisive offensively and they're so efficient offensively, but still so good defensively that I have them going decently far, especially over those two teams um, that I just referenced. Uh, To wrap this up a little bit, the matchup I'm looking forward to more than any other in this tournament is if we can get a Cade Cunningham versus Ayo Desunmu matchup in the Sweet 16. That would be, I think, the best possible scenario. for. We're talking about two top five picks in the NBA draft next year. The number one pick. And then, Whoa. You got Ayo going top five? I mean, Ayo's a for sure high lottery pick. I think he should be a for sure high lottery pick, but you got to understand teams love... Oh, I get Untapped it. Potential. I get it. Okay, so he's let, we'll we'll say two of the top five players in college basketball. Let's put it that way. Then that's probably a pretty safe statement, right? And, and both that. playing the same position, for the most part, the same position. Some they can yeah. both kind of play off the ball too. But I, that that matchup would be unreal. That would be a hopefully or unfortunately, Gus Johnson doesn't work for CBS anymore because that would be a classic game that you would want Gus Johnson on the call, just screaming down the stretch as Ayo Desunmu and Kate Cunningham go back and forth at each other. I think Illinois is a better basketball team than Oklahoma State, so I will go with Ayo in that game. And then I have them taking on Houston. Houston over West Virginia. And I have Illinois behind Ayo Desunmu, who will, in my opinion, win the uh, NCAA tournament uh, most outstanding player when this is all said and done. Illinois to the Final Four. Okay, I like it. Um, so with Illinois, Illinois is a team that I was not sold on, and then they've been playing; they've been phenomenal lately. Um, I am a little worried that they're a team and their star might run out. Uh, I know Nick, you've heard me say that before, but Taylor, that's a reference to uh, the days of Mario when you get the star and you're invincible and you can do whatever the hell you want to, and then it goes away, and then you're back to normal. 
Um, I'm a little worried that uh, Illinois is going to be one of those teams because the way they've played the last couple of weeks, like I, I'm just not sure if that's going to be a sustainable thing for them. So really, that's that's the one thing that that worries me about Illinois is is this something that they can sustain? I do like their team, um, but I'm just not sure if this is sustainable. With that said, I do have them going to the Final Four <laughs> just because I don't really love this the the bracket really I don't think there's another team that is really that good in the whole in the whole bracket um, I do like Loyola Chicago over Georgia Tech um, that is the team whose star will for sure run out um, and I think that happens in the first round uh, the Vols over Oregon State by default I just don't like Oregon State more than I don't like the Vols uh, I think the Vols at least have the talent to win games. So I'll take talent if I don't like your team. Uh, Oklahoma State, I guess this is just the Mario bracket because I think that's another team that's overachieving right now. Um, and I can see that coming crashing down. Um, I love Kay Cunningham, like I mentioned. I don't necessarily love the rest of that team. Um, Khalid Boone is a hard worker. I think he's a guy that you want on any roster because he's always going to he's always gonna outwork. He's not going to be outworked. Um, Anderson looks like a kid that's going to come into his own. Ice likely to me is a player I like, but I think he's stunted by Cade because he doesn't get to to have the ball because if I'm going to give the ball to one of the two, that's, that's a no-brainer. But overall, I just don't love that team. Um, but I love Cade, so I think they, they make it uh, that matchup that you want to see. I think that happens. But I think Illinois wins by double digits because I just don't think Oklahoma State as a whole is really that great of a team. Um, I got Cuse over San Diego State. Uh, I just think they have more talent. I think that's a another underachieving team. I think they'll be them who they are. So they'll have a good game against San Diego State, and then they'll lay a dud against West Virginia. Um, Alan Griffin. Uh, that's a guy that he's a pro from a talent standpoint. For whatever reason, I'm not sure if he's ever going to figure it out to where he does that consistently. But when you watch him play, he's a pro. Um, I mentioned this to Nick and I was trying to remember it. I, I was comparing somebody in college basketball to Norman Powell. And I was like, damn, I don't remember who it was. It was Alan Griffin. Like that guy has, he reminds me of Norman Powell through and through. Um, Buddy Beheim gets to shoot 30 shots because your dad's the coach. Um, good thing for them is he can shoot. So that helps. Um, Gary A is a good player. They're, Dolajai is a decent player. They are a little light in the ass in the post. Uh, they have height they don't have any real uh girth um i think that's a problem when you go with matt mitchell because matt mitchell is kind of the opposite he's like six six but he's a bowling ball um i just think they win because i think they have a lot of talent and they've been underachieving i think for one game they'll figure it out and then game two they'll go back to um being inconsistent uh west virginia's a team i really like i think i like the makeup of that they have uh like you said deuce mcbride and culver that's a good one to punch uh, they have shooters with Sherman and McNeil. Um, and then they got players that kind of know the rule. Like Eddie Matthews, he, he's not going to show up on any box score, um, but he does what he's supposed to do. Um, I can't say his name. Ola Beeson Ola or something. Ola Ola. We'll just call him Ola. Um, he's another one of those guys who, who's not going to be found in the box score, but he's going to help you win. Um, I really like the makeup of West Virginia. Um, I have Rutgers over Clemson. Kind of the same thing I said with the Tennessee-Oregon game. Oregon State, excuse me. 
Uh, I'll take the team with the talent, even though I don't necessarily like either one of them because they haven't played to that talent. Um, Geo Baker is a guy who is really talented. He's super inconsistent. Um, Miles Johnson is a great defender. Um, he's got probably the longest arms I've ever seen. Like, I don't understand. His arms just don't never stop. Uh, but to your point, if, on paper, they're just... When you watch them play and you look at the eye test, you're like, okay, this is a good team. And then you keep watching them like, okay, why do they keep losing? Like, I don't understand why they keep losing these games. Um, I don't think Clemson's that game they lose because I just hate Clemson's team. I just do. I really, I, 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 Amir Sims, if you want me to say something positive, I could just say the name Amir Sims. And that's, that's all I got. Because even him, he's not super consistent. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not the football program. Um I like Houston. I have an issue with them maybe from a shooter standpoint. Uh, I know they're efficient scoring, um, but a lot of that to me is they hit the O boards. Uh, Gorham does a great job on the offensive boards. I think he averages like three or four a game. Um, and I think that's something they rely on. Grimes is a stud. I love Jarrell's game. Sasser can score, but that's all he's looking to do. Um, Mark is kind of going to be the next iteration of Sasser to where he's going to, he's looking to, he's looking to score. That's it. Um, I think Sasser and Mark in particular, I think their offense can dictate their defense. So if they're not making shots, then they're also not guarding anybody. Um, with that said, uh, going against Rutgers, <laughs> I'll take Houston. Um, I think Houston loses to West Virginia. Cause I really like that West Virginia team. Um, so then I got Illinois, West Virginia in the lead eight. This is where I'm worried about Illinois star running out because I could see West Virginia beating them. But I took Illinois just because the way they've been playing, if they can keep that up, um, then get to the Final Four. Uh, this is, to me, probably the worst bre- uh, region. I, I don't... Illinois... I would have thought Illinois was the overall number one seed just looking at this. Um because I don't really love any other team in the in the region. Like I'm, there's no other team that I'm like. Oh, it's them in West Virginia, really. Uh, Houston's a good team. Again, I have concerns about the way that roster looks as far as team basketball. I think if they get some adversity and Sasser's on the court, then Grimes ain't touching the ball. I think Sasser's gonna, one of those players that thinks he can put the backup on. I think he's supremely confident. And he's probably here today because he's supremely confident, but I think it could also be a detriment to your team. Uh, so I I think Illinois almost wins by default for me. Uh, West Virginia is the one team that I think can give them a run and beat them. Uh, but I'll give Illinois the benefit of the doubt because of the way they've been playing. I uh, So this is where I'm, you know, you, you know I stay homerish, but this is where I'm going to be real homerish with my mom's university, and that's uh, – the University of Houston, as Jamal kind of talked about. And that's who I got going out of this uh, bracket. I like West Virginia a lot. You know, another Big 12 team I've watched play all year. I like Cole. So you had to choose between which way you're going to be at home. You were like, do <laughs> I go with Texas or do I go with the Big 12? How do I homerish happen in this one? It's a real homerish tournament. But, you know, honestly, if you were going to pick a year to be homerish in a tournament, this is the year. Like... This there aren't like you said Gonzaga, like besides that, these teams can really lose once they start. You know, once you start getting into a pass, pretty much I guess round one, 
it's kind of all toss-ups. Like, you just don't know who's going to be healthy, who's going to have players, who's going to be missing what. I mean, the, I just heard the other day the NCAA talking about as long as you got five players, you can play. You don't even need a coach. So I'm kind of interested in that. I kind of wanted that's, to get city league-ish and have five that dudes men's out league there. right there. Yeah, men's league, five dudes and no coach. So I'm kind of hoping that happens. Really not because that's not fair. But if it did happen, that would be crazy. So that's that's why I like Houston in this side of the bracket. I do like West Virginia. But like you said, Illinois, the star maybe runs out off of them. West Virginia is very solid. They're a good team. They play hard. Huggins is going to have those boys ready every game. I do worry about their shooting some days because it gets very hot and cold. So I worry about them there. But other than that, I think West Virginia Houston, maybe Illinois. But I like West Virginia and Houston out of that bracket pretty much. All right. I like it. So to wrap this up, uh, obviously we all like our Final Four teams. Uh, who you got winning the championship? Let's just let's just cut right to it. Who who takes it? Who takes the whole thing? We'll start with you, Nick. Is it Houston or Texas? Who who you got? <laughs> so when I got down to it, I had Texas, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston. Real shocker. Three teams from the state of Texas and Gonzaga. But then my brain started going into it once I got that far, and I took Gonzaga. I I, I got this far with Texas, and I you know bitched out and said, I'm going to go with Gonzaga and try to use my brain. So I have Gonzaga winning it all, them beating Texas and then them going past um, Baylor, which if we could get that, I think a lot of people would be happy with a Gonzaga-Baylor you know, championship game. Probably doesn't happen, but I have Gonzaga beating Baylor in the uh, Final Four championship game. I, I just want to be clear on one thing. The only region that doesn't have someone coming out of Texas – is the one that doesn't have a team in Texas. <laughs> oh, is that true? Gonzaga doesn't I don't think there's anybody who's oh, well, a team in Texas in the West. Well, so. see, they wouldn't have made it if they had to play a Texas team. So look at that. That's, I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because I was just about to say that myself. <laughs> that, that's that's uh, You wouldn't be Nick if that's not how that worked out. Um, so I got the same championship game. I got Zags versus Baylor. Uh, if that pans out that way, I might be sick that day and not go into work because I need to see that game. Um, I think I might just get April 5th off just to make sure of that. So, uh, Isaac, my boss, if you hear me, uh, I need the 5th off. So, make that happen. Um, I, just think Zags are the, I just think the Zags are the better team. Uh, I mentioned them earlier. They have three first-round picks, and the they're... That fourth guy is probably the best player on their team in, in Timmy um, from a college level. So I think I've mentioned before, we've talked about like what could could knock off the Zags. I think they can get bullied a little bit. I think that's your best chance is to kind of just go Omar Payne a little bit and <laughs> send a couple bows their way. Um, other than that, I think Gonzaga's going to beat you if you just try to beat them at basketball. It's kind of like that Mayweather idea. It's like you have to try to dirty up the fight, um, make it a brawl versus a fight because you're not going to win a boxing match against Mayweather. Um, if you're going to play a game with talent, you're not going to beat Gonzaga. You're going to have to beat them in a different way. So just like no one was able to do that for Mayweather, I don't think anybody's going to be able to do that to Gonzaga, and I got them winning, winning it all. Mark Few gets his first. So you guys are both right. 
but I'm not going to go with Gonzaga. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because you're both right. Gonzaga's winning the national championship. But in my bracket, I'm going with A.O. DeSumo and Kofi Coburn in Illinois. And I don't even, you know, if you look at the the grand scheme of college basketball, I don't like Illinois' basketball school because of what they did to my boy Salim Stoudemire back in 2005. Uh, I'm still not over that, and I wasn't even school at U of A then. So uh, I am going to go with Illinois over uh, Gonzaga simply because Ayo Desunmu is good enough to take over a game, and Kofi Coburn provides at least enough size to diminish one of their big guys that they have on Gonzaga. Um, now, clearly, like with any upset, there's no real metric or stat or reason you can put on that other than just like a feeling, right? And so uh, I think Ayo Desunmu is good enough to convince me that my feeling will be correct here. And uh, Brad Underwood, Illinois over Gonzaga. Now, I will say Gonzaga I hate actually more than almost every other basketball school in the country uh, simply because we have so many uh, Gonzaga alums that went to Monroe High School in Fairbanks that think that they're the end-all, be-all of the college basketball world uh, because they started watching Gonzaga basketball five or six years ago. So, um, And my family's from Spokane, Washington, too. So I just, I'm just tired of hearing about how they're like the West Coast basketball school. So I'm not picking against them because of that, but I w- it will be, make me especially happy if, if they do lose that game. Yeah, I'm not a big Gonzaga fan, but I just really I respect the hell out of Mark Few, and I want them to have one. I don't want them to get two because I don't like Gonzaga, but I want them to have one. And I mean, if this if he's ever going to do it, it's got to be with this team. It really does because he's never going to have a better team in my mind. Well, it's funny too. They're they're the best team in the country, far and away, and we've talked about them less than almost every other team we've talked about. And I think that actually goes to show how good they are because it's just kind of an assumption that like, Oh yeah, everybody knows that they're this good. We don't need to explain to anybody that they're this good. They have four all Americans essentially on that team. If you were allowed to have that many, if writers didn't get like a writer's block when it came to like voting for Gonzaga players, they could just say, Hey, Gonzaga starters plus Ayo Desunmu, Luca Garza, Cade Cunningham, and then pick as many Gonzaga players as you want. Yeah. Now, are any of you guys worried because they haven't played a good team in a while? Are you are you guys worried about that at all? Or so I think they can sleepwalk a little bit. Like against BYU in the championship game, they they were down twelve at halftime, and then you just watched them turn it on. Like they're like, wait, what are we doing? And then immediately, like right out of halftime, you're like, they're gonna win easily. And then they ended up winning by I think like nine in that game. Um, I have some concerns from a motivation standpoint. I don't think I'm worried about them seeing something that they've never seen and being like, oh, this is what a good basketball team looks like. I'm not worried about that. But I guess if, let's say, if they play a team that whatever for whatever reason they don't see as their equal, which maybe that might be the whole damn tournament, um, I can see them getting off to a slow start. I can see that for sure. Um, I can see them getting caught by a team that they got off to a slow start and they just can't catch up, like, you know, kind of like a tortoise in the hair type of thing. Maybe they took that nap and then before they could catch up to them, tortoise went ahead and finished the race. Um, I can see that happening in Kansas because, um, like you guys have both said, I don't think can- this is a good iteration of Kansas basketball. 
but it's good enough to to catch a team like Gonzaga if they have a bad first half. If Kansas is up 12 at halftime against Gonzaga, they have a really good chance to finish in that out, whereas BYU just isn't good. Um, I want to throw this shot real quick because I watched BYU four times, and Matt Harms is the biggest waste of height I've ever seen in my life. Like That dude pisses <laughs> me off when I watch him play basketball. I wanted to go out of completely, had nothing to do with what we're talking about, just so I can go on record about how much I dislike watching Matt Harms play basketball. But back to the point. Hold on. No, he is the actual tallest basketball player in D1 college basketball this year. Matt Harms is. And I hate watching him play. Hate it. He's so soft. Think of like poor Zingas, but like not talented. Like <laughs> that's what you have with Matt Harms. It's like just as soft, but doesn't have the skill set. Like just just soft. Tall, soft. It's like a like a whole roll of toilet paper just unrolled. That's what you have with Matt Harms. Just seven foot three roll of, of toilet paper. Just nobody needs that much, right? So um Back to the point, that's the only thing I'd worry about with Gonzaga is them sleepwalking through a first half and then not have enough time to to catch up in the second half. Sounds good. All right. Well, I appreciate you being our first guest, Taylor. Uh, based on how this went, I guess we'll have more people on. I, I kind of liked how this went. Um, Are they all going to be on for like three hours, too? <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe. You know, it depends. We'll see how... Uh, yeah, that works out. Um, you know, why don't you go ahead and tell them again what to follow? Because if I try to do it, I'm going to butcher it, and they're going to be following the wrong person. No problem. No, I, I'm just joking. Because our our uh, bracket breakdown podcast, uh, which we're going to do here tomorrow, uh, it's going to go the same exact way. It's hard to get through a whole bracket breakdown in under, you know, a couple hours. And if you're a real fan or someone who really wants to win your bracket, you'll either take all of this in and listen to us, or do the exact opposite. So. Um, we are at uh, CBB Theater on Twitter, and that is Theater and College Hoops, the podcast, a part of the Barn Burner Podcast Network. And I will ask you guys uh, not to go my third piece of trivia today, but it is important for every listener and for you too, because I know that you know what channel CBS is, and I know that you know what channel TNT is, and I know that you know what channel TBS is. But do you remember what channel True TV is on your uh, cable package? Yeah, you got to find that. I'm on YouTube TV, so I just literally type okay. in True TV and okay. I get there. But a casual or an important reminder that True TV shows, you know, a quarter of the games through the first weekend. Absolutely. So yes, get sir. that prepped, everybody. Get that. Prepped. That is that is a great call out because that is the only time True TV gets watched in my house. They're ready to go through the time. roof in March, I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely well i appreciate you coming on um and sharing us with your insight uh it's always fun catching up with you uh so yeah follow us at mto sports i promise one of these days we're gonna get real active on twitter uh we've been failing at that um, but we haven't been failing at these podcasts i think we've had some good content and i appreciate you having you on taylor all right signing out thanks for listening to the media timeout podcast Mahomes looking to flip takes it in be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeOutSports.com, for more content.